coming to you from deep in the flyover states. We're reviewing WWE Raw, Nick Fan's Million Dollar Mania. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast. And welcome to the show. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast, episode 227. I'm DP. And I'm Tony G. DP, this week for the people, we went back and watched Vince McMahon fumble around while dialing a telephone for two hours. (laughs) Yeah. It was WWE Raw from June 9th, 2008. McMahon's millions in full effect here. This sometimes you wonder how the wrestling world survived all of this. (laughs) I mean, you said it. Him fumbling around with the telephone is it's it's half of what he did. The other half is he sits there and tells you what you should be thinking. You should be on the edge of your seat. So suspicious. Oh man, are so suspenseful. What what's gonna happen? I I love how he fills in the gaps with like stage direction. Yes, he's thinking like (laughs) thinking out loud like what they should be doing. Oh man! But the reason we're talking about. This episode of Raw from June of twenty or two thousand and eight is because this is a wrestling review podcast. Each week, Tony and I get together. We discuss a wrestling event that we agreed to watch the previous week. It's like the Oprah's Book Club, but for wrestling nerds. For any and all information about the show, links to Twitter, Facebook, all the social media, and other platforms. Check us out at goldenagepodcast.com. And if you want to send us some information, you feel like you've got to express yourself. Maybe it's a request. You can send it to goldenagegrappling at gmail.com. Yes, please do so. Engage, interact, make suggestions and requests. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. At all times. <laughs> and, you know, DP, I was just thinking that uh, maybe this week we probably, maybe this week we don't play the Sid Vicious Dishes. Oh, man. I mean, it is kind of an unprecedented wave of bad news that has hit the wrestling yes. world. So I could understand that. Right. I, you know, it's um, not exactly a light topic this week. And so maybe we'll put the vicious one on the back burner. I'm going to miss Sid. Time. I'm going to miss Sid this week, but that, that's, that's okay. It's understandable. Yeah. Because this week, unfortunately, we get to talk about a bunch of shitheads and bad, yeah. awful people that yep. have been running prevalent in the world of professional wrestling. Some deeper in the shadows than others. Some, you know, of these stories not coming to the surprise of many folks out there. And, um, no, there's definitely, and what we're talking about obviously is the, uh, hashtag speaking out movement that, um, has really shaken the wrestling world. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And and that's not a, and I'm not upset because it's, you know, shaken the tree and knocked out a bunch of bad apples. I'm talking about, you know, it's uh, it's great to see so many people being strong enough to speak out, you yeah. know, and uh, it's had a quite quite an impact here in just the less than less than seven it's, days now, really. It's interesting though because like this hit and it happened so quickly and so much stuff came out so quickly. It was one of those things where it it kind of just enveloped everything that you were reading about the topic, but mm-hmm. at the same time. Like there are parallel industries where this same shit is happening. Like it's, there's this weird yeah. parallel of like junior hockey is facing this like giant backlash of like issues. And it's very similar to a lot of these issues here. 
Um, yeah. And it just felt very strange. I was like, wow, okay, that's happening over there too. And then there's, you know, all this other stuff yeah. going on, but it's just all happening yeah. at once. Yeah, it's certainly not something that's uh, unique to the world of professional wrestling. You're right. Uh, stand-up comedy. Yeah, that's been <laughs> is, hit too. Yeah. It's dealing. I mean, we don't have, you know, we're a wrestling show. We don't have time for all But, I mean, that's, you know, Chris Delia and the comments on the Joe Rogan show from Joey Diaz. I mean, yeah, there's that side of things as well. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of this. And, you know, it's it's what you have to kind of maybe give a lot of the credit to is people just having a, such a, a strong sense of feeling like they can speak out, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't just mean that from a standpoint of like, you know, the sexual abuse side of things. But I mean, I think the Black Lives Matter movement and things like that, I think, yeah. have also done have done good in a way to feel to give people a sense of empowerment that, hey, look at, you know, look at the positive reaction. Look at how people are feeling about that over there. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that giving people possibly the strength to feel like they won't be shouted down online and that people will listen to, you know, what they're what they've gone through. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just a whole lot of whole lot of melting pot right now. But I mean, uh, you know, when it started, it was it what was what was something I really liked about the whole thing was, as one person would say something, two people would say something, and then four more people would have. You know, what I mean? mm-hmm. it, it just felt like as the day and then the days went on, you could really see how the strength of some people, you know, it encouraged others. And I mean, now yeah. it's, and it's a good it's, thing. It's a runaway train at this point. I mean, now it feels like everybody, no, I'm not saying it, everybody is, but I'm just saying, I feel like now is as good a time as any, that if you're someone that's been holding on to something, like you feel like now is a good time yeah. that you can come forward and you're not going to, you know, be attacked or, well, you know, doubted by at least the majority. Not only have there been, you know, other people's stories that were just inspired because of the strength of that other person or just seeing that reaction that they had gotten. But then you also had people that instead of just, oh, well, they said that, well, hopefully, you know, they're able to prove it, you know, even though I may know something, there's a lot of people mm-hmm. stepping up and like validating it with just additional yep. information or, yeah, I've seen that or I've seen that sort of thing from this person. Yep. And so and I, I think agree. that's yep. part of it as well. There's that solidarity of that where in, instead of just letting the person that, that took the chance to be the squeaky wheel just stand out and be the only one, other people mm-hmm. join them, and it makes it a lot more believable to to the masses. Yeah, and I mean, I think maybe one of the best examples of that would be the Joey Ryan situation. Yeah, where, I haven't seen a whole you know, lot cert- of that. What's, go ahead. Certainly someone that's had a lot to say about a lot of things and mm-hmm. you know, has been a champion of intergender wrestling and... Now, after the numerous stories that have been told by, you know, brave women online, you know, it all is has a real ugly shade to it when you think about it. Yeah. When you see, when you read stories about him forcing women to, you know, masturbate, you know, to, mm. to and and then you think about his gimmick. Yeah, that's the know. thing is. It was fun because the idea was that he was a great person, not. You know, right. that that's right. it's the ironic the ironic part of it is is why it's kind of fun is that this he's you know apparently this fantastic guy that's playing this weird kind of gross character, but it's right. funny because of that that you know that that contrast is what made it funny, and so when it's all of a sudden not the a contrast <laughs> at yeah, all, exactly, 
it's not funny exactly. anymore. It's it's. No. I watched a video. It has nothing to do with this, but if, I don't know if you know the YouTuber Jack Saint. He made a video talking about police brutality, but he he was likening it to playing L.A. Noir and how much fun it was to run around and push guys down and run people over with your cars. And then you start seeing this stuff, and he's like, I had been streaming it for like two months, and it just right. it wasn't fun anymore because some of it felt real all of a sudden. And it's like that's what this is like. It's, I don't want to go back and watch these Joey Ryan matches now knowing no. this. No. No, and because it just makes you think about, you know, those that knew who he was, mm-hmm. seeing him benefiting from this for so long with yeah. so many top performers, so many top women stars today. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Having bad matches. I mean, and, I, you know, and then you think I thought about someone like Candice LeRae. And honestly, like until I saw her response, like her statement on Twitter, it was like, ah, wow, like I hadn't even thought about how that would make someone like her feel. Yeah. What did she? I, I didn't. I, mean, see I, don't, her have, I don't have it in front of okay. me. It was a, she. She posted something on Twitter. Just obviously, she believes the victims, and okay. she, you know, said they were strong. You know, I don't know. She gotcha, didn't. Gotcha. And listen, I'm not going to go into people that would maybe go down a path of how could she, you know? I don't know. Listen, it's. Mm. your best friend, you know, could be doing things behind your back that you would never know about. You know what I mean? If you don't live sure. with them. Definitely. So, I mean, Jesus Christ, can I just at least give Candice LeRae the benefit of the doubt this week? <laughs> like, please give me that. <laughs> uh, so ju- it's, uh, so yeah, it's just a disgusting situation. I mean, obviously that's just one name on, on a long list of people, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it's and continuing. It, I, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, cause it's continuing because just today you told me about the Sammy Guevara stuff. Who Sammy, 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 Sammy. Like I have, I mean, I'm not saying I have sympathy for him mm-hmm. um, and who knows what he's maybe done. I'm, you know, I'm not talking yeah. about going down that path, but his situation isn't quite the same as Joey Ryan's. I would Yes. Feel. It puts them both in the pool of being shitty people. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just talking point, about, I don't know about him physically assaulting people. So that's, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll at least say that before sure. I go into, but worst, possible timing that this you know that a podcast interview the whole effing show i think it was called or something oh like is that, that what it was okay i don't remember i, I shouldn't have even said any show um <laughs> you know talking about and this is just it does call into question though maybe what he is capable of at least you know i don't want to yeah. obviously say anything about you know make any uh, erroneous allegations on here but saying that he met sasha banks at the performance center in 2016 mm-hmm. or around that time i guess uh, he was there as an extra at that time, not as a, for a tryout, and said, talked about how hot she was and that he wanted to rape her. Yeah. And I no, it's it's awful. It is one of those things where looking at it, it is terrible. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the, but like you said, it because it's all happening at the same time, the timing makes it then where now he's in this pile of other shit that's going yeah. on, like Joey Ryan and stuff, right. and that's which I don't. I don't feel that bad for him. You know no. what I mean? Because again, a comment like that does at least call into suspicion. Especially what else? What else? Awful yeah. ways or you know? I mean, it's it. You know, it makes you think a lot about who he is or who he possibly is. You know? Yeah. Even if you know you like, I saw his his apology saying you know that he's. He's done. He said a lot of bad things on you know attempts to be edgy with jokes and like you would kind of right. like compared it to the James Gunn thing earlier yep. in our text yep. messages and I can see yep. that, but at the same time there's like when you hear that that phrase and that that specific terminology in 2016 and that's the way you chose to express yourself in the middle of a joke, yep. 
Because just for the record, the James Gunn stuff was from like the late 90s when he was <laughs> with the Troma crew, which not, you yeah. know, again, that dark humor is obviously not is not for everyone. And it mm. really is no place for it. But Sammy Cavaro, that was four years ago. Yeah. You know, like, yep. And you're like, oh, he was listen, he was 19. I'm not really willing to give him a ton of leeway on. Uh, oh, well, he was a kid like eh, that was. You know, 19 is pretty young, but it, yeah, you should know better than that. So, you know, hey, good, good on Sasha Banks for, uh, you know, coming forward and releasing a statement about talking with Sammy and, you know, basically yeah. kind of hashing things out. And um, also a credit to AEW who have suspended him without pay. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's going to go take some sensitivity training. So, ah, okay. You know, you can roll your eyes at that, or you can look at that as a step forward. I'm not here to, yeah, know, make that decision for you either way. So no, it's but all, that's what's happening. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like it's just become such a cliche that you hear from I corporations yep. that people do roll their eyes. But it is one of those things where if the person going to it does have a desire to learn and educate themselves and, and maybe change their views, then mm-hmm. it can be beneficial. It doesn't have to just be, uh, yeah, I sat through this and, and answered the questions they wanted. Sure. You can yeah. make it, uh, you know, something, but it's just up to the person that's going, really. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, good for the people that have come forward. And, um, you know, I certainly don't believe that in this climate that those people, I don't think those people will see much backlash from a booking stamp. I just think oh, in like the this, people that came in forward. Climate, yeah. In this climate in 2020. <laughs> if these if these people I you were saying you know I mean? the like, accused at first, I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, like so, you know, anybody that's come forward, anybody that's like shared their story, and then, yeah. like, you know, that obviously a, re- a lot of the, one of the reasons that it doesn't happen is because you know maybe you're worried about your job status. And mm-hmm. in this climate, if those folks don't get jobs or they don't get bookings, and that has any look of suspicion, people are going to call that shit out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, sure. I, I, I mean, it, listen, it could hurt, but I, I would like, I like to think that anybody out there that would maybe even second guess booking any of these people because they, you know, exposed people for being shitheads. Yeah. I feel like the wave of support would probably catch wind of that and that company well, would, you know, catch shit for it. And I'm hoping that with the way that this has gone down and, and because one of the things that you heard, or at least I saw a lot of was people being shitty and in, in, in like, secondary ways where like one person does something terrible and then yep. another person that was friends with them before hears about it and then stays friends with them and like right. keeps promoting them in ways. And mm-hmm. like, I hope that that's where that can kind of like the buddy system that seems to reinforce this, this kind of behavior can They're be something well, where it's yeah. like, you know, you have, you need to be able to, 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 if, if this, if you know, if someone's that bad, you need to be able to just realize it and not just be like, oh, but I really like the version of them that I had in my mind before. There will always be, you know, your mud show trash bag wrestling companies yeah. that will book some people that are shitty. Yeah, and I'm not you saying know, like, that. that but, I was even thinking of that just, way, like. Just, I was thinking yeah, of as I'm, far as retaliatory not booking of these people that oh, came yeah, forward because, well, my buddy got ratted out because yeah. of this, you know. No, and that's what I, yeah, that's what I was talking about before. Is like, yeah, I don't think those people would be able to get away with that kind gotcha. of behavior because that'll probably get picked up on. But I'm also saying some a lot of these shitheads that have been outed mm-hmm. may still end up working. But I would find it 
damn near in, I'd be super surprised if anybody on that list, you know, especially the most serious cases, but mm-hmm. really anybody else, will have much of a much of an opportunity to work anywhere. You know, Probably because not. Yeah, you're not gonna be able. To, I just feel like it's gonna be hard to get away with now. Again, mm-hmm. I mean, there'll be shows because there's there's mud. I mean, there is some <laughs> low level indie wrestling out there that yeah. will still maybe house some of this trash, but. You know, I don't and think you always have really your international away. bookings. You always have your great power Udis and your, you know, <laughs> India and all those places where they have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, yeah, sure, yeah. You go make a great career over there, probably, and maybe you know, lose your life at some point. Unfortunately, yeah, no, that's so. You know, that's I, I just I don't think a lot of these people are going to be able to hide from this. You know, they're I mean, this is yeah, it feels real. It feels on, different than like when on, things like this yeah, happen. Someone online called it the wrestling community getting Thanos. <laughs> and I thought that was kind of an interesting analogy because it is, and it's a sad state that that if oh, yeah. that, you know if you snap yeah. your fingers and said everyone that's guilty of any sort of sexual impropriety needs to yeah. go, that it would be like this many because it's like that's one of the other things that I was tell- talking to Sean about. I was like, the, you know, I'm not not defending any of this, but the fact right. that there are so many of these and there's so many people that felt like this behavior was okay at some point in their lives. Yeah, yeah. That means that we have failed as a society in educating people as well. Like, I mean, some people are learning the lesson, but a lot of them aren't. A lot of them are having these bad ideas reinforced their entire lives, and then they end up forcing things on women because they don't understand things. And it's like, there's that, there's that, that macho, like, anti, like, you know, because I always hear the joke about, like, women's studies. Like, that's always the joke college course for these, like, conservative jokes. And, right, right. and it's like, hey, maybe that would have been really good to have for a lot more people. It looks like uh, it, it probably absolutely would. And, you know, I'm probably overly optimistic, but I do truly feel like this is the kind of a movement, um, you know, again, in the same vein as like a Black Lives Matter right now that I don't think there you do go back from here. Like, I think this is the end of a lot of that bullshit. I can't go, I can't say a hundred percent because that would yeah. just be far too optimistic, but I just, I think there's going to be a better eye on it. Now. I think these companies are, you know, you've seen the announcements about companies putting women in positions of power, whether mm-hmm. it's in the training school or in the creative process within the company, you know, all of that can only act as a, a good thing moving forward. Yeah. And I think there's going to be a better policing system on this thing in the locker room, you know, because mm-hmm. I think I think that's what's upset a lot of other performers is that if you had come and said something to me about that, <laughs> that shit would have been taken. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but again, that's that's not to put any blame on the victim. You know, obviously they had their reasons for not feeling comfortable coming forward. But I feel like that's another thing that's come good of this is I think mm-hmm. it's been expressed by plenty of people that aren't pieces of shit that hey, you came and if you'd come and said something to me about that day one, that shit would have been done with. You know, so yeah. Hopefully everybody feels more comfortable speaking up and not letting pieces of shit get away with, you know, this kind of behavior. And, uh, you know, I, I you know, I'm being optimistic. I know I, it's, yeah. I'm not saying it's going to be eliminated and there's always going to be a macho, you know, side to, you know, some of this, but I just, I like to think that, you know, a good part of that is definitely going to be eradicated after this, you know, speaking out movement, um, you mm-hmm. know, on the bravery of so many, um, women and some men. Definitely. Absolutely. I, Hopeful as well. So, um, right. I, so now I guess should we awkwardly transition to the the fun part of the show? I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's okay. So yeah, so that brings us now to the part of the show where we have to find a wormhole to squeeze through to get from here to there. So let's use these four things to transport back to the world of June two thousand and eight. Four. 
On June 1st, actually, a fire at the back lot of Universal Studios Hollywood destroyed several icons from movies such as the Courthouse Square, the Clock Tower from Back to the Future, and the King Kong exhibit on the studio tour. That is, if you're a fan of the Defunct Land series on YouTube, mm-hmm. which I love those videos, you'll hear that that fire comes up a few times because... Oh, really? It's the culprit of like, you know, and this set was destroyed in the, that fire that took place on that day, you know. And so that's, you know, so there's nothing that remains from that. Yeah. To, 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 so like, yeah, that comes up in the, obviously because of the Kong one, there's a whole episode about that ride at Universal. So mm-hmm. sad, sad day. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Didn't they there. also have a fire? I know this is off, this is sidebar, but didn't they also have like some huge fire that like they lost a lot of like original films and stuff? Yeah, I, I think if that was so. at Universal or somewhere. I don't know what. There's been like a few studios where they've had some issues with like just losing films and like you only have mm-hmm. like weird prints of it. So there's like yeah. a scene that's missing from now on and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, number two on June 8th of 2008, on the day of tonight's show, it was some sad news. But when I saw it, it was one of those things I hadn't heard of in a long time, but it, I instantly could see the images in my head. The Aki Habara massacre took place on the sunny pedestrian zoned. I'm going to mispronounce Chuidori Street in Japan, uh-huh. where a man yep. killed seven in an attack on a crowd using a truck and a dagger. And I remember it was kind of one of the first yeah. terrorist things that I remember seeing with like a crash in and then just start stabbing thing. Like it was, it became a theme almost. And it's a sad theme, obviously, but it was just, I, it was one of those things that was, it was a time stone for me. So I was just like, well, let's, let's throw that in as well. No, it's certainly yeah, the kind of image that you don't forget seeing, you know, uh, yeah. a sad situation. And uh, yeah, a video that I don't know if you'd see now. Probably not nearly not. as much. Yeah, we've we've had so much more experience with these events that news has developed a, almost a protocol about the way right. they go about that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I mean, can't speak for everyone, but I feel like that wouldn't probably be as widely run on today's news as maybe it was at that time. Probably not. Number three. Now taking a look at the fil- the films releasing in American cinemas in the lead up to tonight's event. We're a month out from Iron Man. So that was just before where I'm going to hit. So just a heads up there. Um, yeah, May 16th. The changed. This, this is like, it is nonstop blockbusters here, except for like one movie. Uh, May 16th, Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian. I don't know if that's the second or third movie. I fell I, off after the line, the witch in the wardrobe, but I feel like that was the third one. And that was the one that came out. And I was like, wait, what? Like they're still making those. Like I yeah. feel like it came out a few years <laughs> after the, the one before it. So that came out. It made, you know, over a hundred million dollars, uh, May 22nd, making all the money, $903 million, Indiana Jones and the kingdom of the crystal skulls released. Yeah. Even though everyone, you know, complained about every aspect of it, it's like, yeah, guys, but it still almost made a billion dollars. So they're mm-hmm. probably going to make another one. And a movie that was very well marketed to me. I, it was, I was very aware of this film. I don't know if, what it was, why, but war Inc came out. With John Cusack, it only made $2.8 million. I didn't realize it had made so little money, but I remember seeing that movie and like hearing about it and seeing previews and seeing posters for it. Yeah, well, they marketed it pretty well to you, apparently. I, I, I don't know if anybody else got the message. <laughs> it just blew me away when I saw $2.8 million. It seems so low for like a John Cusack movie in 2008. Yeah, yeah well, things, yeah, they've, they've gone down for Mr. Cusack. May 30th. 
A movie that I was going to say, also not a blockbuster, but had to mention, The Foot Fist Way released with Danny McBride and I can't remember Jody's last name. Whatever oh, his uh, writing partner is. God damn, you would do that. You say that now. I can't think of either. No. <laughs> I love that movie, man, with him teaching the karate class. And, mm-hmm. Oh, man, yeah, that's good shit. Very good stuff. Um, also releasing that same weekend, the Sex in the City movie, which made $512 million. And yeah. the horror film The Strangers, which made $106 million. <laughs> the Strangers, yeah. My, my mom, gosh, now I'm going to like, now I'm drawing a blank and I can't remember. <laughs> but every time like she's thinking about um, The Strangers, like she, she, she thinks she calls it everything except that. <laughs> like, I'm like, no, mom, that's good. She's like, is that the purge or the saw and it's like no oh. mom it's the strangers so, <laughs> so is she a fan like, oh, of the strangers she's like oh, she's like oh, i liked that one yeah yeah she did nice nice so yeah 106 million dollars for a horror movie that ain't bad at all uh june 6th kung fu panda released making 780 million dollars yeah and on Sim- simpler times in the animated film world when things weren't quite so deep as they are now <laughs> Kung Fu Panda's not too bad. I never got into the sequels. Um, a movie that I remember enjoying the first time I watched it, and then I never really enjoyed it all that much again. Not that it was like I was ashamed of enjoying it, but it's just it doesn't have a lot of replay value. You don't mess with the Zohan released, making $238 million. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's one of those, like, the love guru, where you're just yes. Like, like, yes, you can make it, but should you have made it? That's the true question here. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we don't need everybody doing accents. It's, it's okay. No, no. Yeah. Number four, taking a look at the musical side of American popular culture. We looked at the billboard hot 100 In the week of tonight's show, Tony little Wayne sat atop the charts in his 12th week on the charts, his third uh-huh. of four weeks at number one, eventually being dethroned by Coldplay with their song Viva La Vida, which would be the Grammy winner for the best song of the year. But tonight it's Lil Wayne's time to shine with his possibly peak ringtone rap anthem, Lollipop. I get a chance to play the rap music i always have to go for another like extra 10 seconds just so i can see the reaction of tony's face yeah. when he hears these words for the first time yeah. <laughs> he just he just was like yelping there after like in the last 10 or 15 seconds yeah yeah uh, like that's all he's contributing at that point oh, the, the just, burp burp and jerp jerp i was ah. like what are you doing Lil wayne like come on man you're more clever than that <laughs> oh man yeah that that's a song <laughs> And it also it, listening to it, I was just like the beat to this. And that's why I feel like it's peak ringtone like rap, because that, that is like designed to play well on a small speaker and be legible. <laughs> it's also the kind of music that like 
you turn it up to a certain point, especially in like a loud club or something like that, and you can't really hear what they're saying anyway. Yeah. And it's just, it's a good song to dance to. You know, you don't really pay much attention to it. <laughs> it's got the underlying bass and then the high notes yeah. in the middle. You yeah. don't have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. So that brings us now to Monday, June 9th of 2008, when an indeterminate number of fans filed into the Oracle Arena because they won't tell us how many and nowhere online will tell me how many. I mean, I think by 2008, we were probably not filling at half of the buildings. I don't know. I don't know I'm if things have quite gotten to that point yet. But Well, this building also hosted Super Brawl 9, as well mm. as Elimination Chamber 2011, mm. and a whole bunch of Raw and SmackDowns and Heats, as well as 205 Lives. Um, wow. So according to 2XZone.com's rating archive, the show had been flopping between a 3.5 and 3.9 on television for its first months of 2008. However, WrestleMania hit and people stopped watching. It went to a 3.0 immediately after WrestleMania. And then it stayed between 3.0 to 3.3, mostly 3.1s. Um, but this continued all the way to June 9th when this show happened after advertising, the Vince was giving away a million dollars. So yeah, it had been down to as low as 3.1 and then it dropped even lower to 3.0 on tonight's show. Um, the next week it would jump back to 3.3 and then the week that this all ended the third week would hit a 3.7, which would be like the high of the year because the low point would come later on in September 15th when they got a 2.6. Oh, well, yeah, clearly the thing is, is like by the time this got any momentum Mm -hmm. and you started to actually benefit from like the ratings gain, then you stopped doing it. So that (laughs) cracks me up a little bit there. Um, well, yeah, we're coming. Up, isn't this? The, aren't we coming off the mania that was Orton versus Triple H in the freaking main event? And John Cena it was a three-way. Oh, well, yeah, that's why nobody was watching the next night on on Raw. Well, like, it, good God, it got a good rating because this was the this was the the mania that had um, a Big Show versus Money Mayweather, and it had uh, the uh, the Ric Flair retirement angle in it. I think uh, the Undertaker had a good match on the card. Like. Gotcha. There was good to be had on the show, but yeah, it wasn't like something that you had to come back the next day for. Right. And uh, Vince was scrambling and decided, how are we going to get people to watch the show? What if we pay them? And that's what they tried, because there's nothing else to this. There's no game show portion of this. It's just, if we call yeah. your number, you basically win. <laughs> yeah, and the, yeah, the password isn't even really... I feel like they should have at least like been changing the password like after every round. I thought for sure that was going to happen. Instead, they just showed us the exact same graphic every time. <laughs> it's like so you only had to have watched the first like five minutes of the show and then you could just yep. call it good. Absolutely. Um, did you happen to look up and see what the dark match was on this night? No, I didn't. It was actually pretty notable. It was American Dragon Brian Danielson battling Lance Cade, and Danielson beat him using a cattle mutilation. And so, you know, being in a dark match and not having been signed, it's kind of interesting to see Brian Danielson getting a win here. Yeah, but it wouldn't be too much longer after this before he would have been on NXT, I don't think. Yeah, that was when all the the reviews that I found from 2008 were just speculating, like, is he going to jump from here after the ROH deals up? Because it seems like he's getting some tryouts and stuff. So gotcha. Yeah, if we open with, well, the open, certainly these are always a time (laughs) capsule of the time, you know, of the era of raw. Yeah, this was a song that I remember hating when they first introduced it. 
And then it kind of grew on me, but it, looking back, I, I don't like it as much as I did at one point, I feel like. <laughs> like, I don't know. What, is, what are your thoughts on this Raw theme? It's, you know, not one of my favorites, but it's certainly one that I have a lot of memory of. Because, I, again, I think the video game, it was on one of those, yeah. I think, playing over and over again or something, so... <laughs> So if people don't know what we're talking about, this is the you're going to watch your fucking neck up uh, song. There you go. Yeah. No, you know, that's pretty good, actually. It's, it's pretty solid. It works as an intro. I, I'm curious yeah, what the right. actual original song sounded like, because it also feels like one of the songs that WWE, like, chops up, where they're like, we're oh, going to yeah. play the intro to the song, we're going to hit the chorus, and then we're going to play the, like, weird bridge that happens. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. They cut it up to their liking. I was, there was just uh, the headbangers in 97 are all popular stuff and the king's always talking like they listen to that marilyn manson and you know vince do you listen to marilyn manson and he was like on the raw's listening he's like oh uh, actually in fact i'm a fan of the beautiful people king and i was like oh my god vince like what a like dad thing to say like you know, in 1997 vince was cool with marilyn manson of course he was of course he was uh so jim ross welcomes us to the oakland california oakland arena or whatever and he's joined by jerry lawler so we've got the classic duo here Yep. We're told tonight Jeff Hardy faces the champion Triple H, not for a title match. That's going to be a theme tonight. Um, You could win a million dollars, and John Cena, the number one contender, is going to face JBL in our other featured bout. Yeah, so, you know, some interesting happenings here on Raw. I just immediately had me thinking, I was like, who the hell was on SmackDown in 2008? Oh, like, like what, wrestlers? This- What's that? You mean like what wrestlers were on SmackDown? Yeah. Because you look at this roster, and it's like, Orton's hurt, or else he'd be on Raw. <laughs> Triple, Triple H is on Raw. Jeff Hardy's on Raw. John Cena's on Raw. JBL's on Raw. Shawn Michaels is on Raw. Yeah. Chris Jericho's on Raw. Yeah. Who the hell's on SmackDown? It, dude, SmackDown is the Edge, Undertaker, and Batista show. And, like, okay. they just, Ray like, Mysterio. rotate that three, and then, yeah, throw Ray whenever his knee's not broken. And Right. <laughs> yeah no you're right i guess i just every time like this show would like go into another segment i was just like good god i was like who isn't on raw at this time you're not wrong though like when you get to like the chris jericho and Shawn michaels like well, yeah like where where's everybody else Cause, at because sean just fought batista but was that an interpromotional matchup yes. i guess yeah that okay the, was that was that at i'm guessing the last stand or one night stand yeah i think it was yeah. okay yeah because i think all that stuff was the interpromotional stuff um, gotcha. so yeah, we're, uh, we, we're Vince McMahon welcomes us. He walks out on the, on the stage. He's going to start the show. He's going to end the show. And we're going to yeah. see a whole lot of him and his cheaters the rest of the yeah. night. Um, <laughs> uh, go ahead. So Vince welcomes us to million dollar mania and says, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm so crazy. Uh, and he asks for a warm welcome for $1 million in cash. <laughs> So these guys walk uh, a clear case of cash to what I thought was going to be a podium where they would just set that case into the podium. But no, there's another clear case that they then have to individually transfer the cash over. This is one of those things where I feel like this sounded like a great idea. 
And then it started to happen, and Vince was like, son of a bitch, it's taking these guys forever to get the... Because they literally just start taking the money, like, one little bundle at a time, it felt like, yeah. out of one and into the other. It's like, would you guys just grab it, like, an armful and drop it into this other box? Like, it felt like it very quickly was going way too long, and Vince, it was, it was noticeably, like, bothered by it. Oh, yeah. And just the way that Vince, like, this felt so much like he visualized how this was going to go in his mind, and he was expecting the crowd to be rabid for this idea that their phone's going to ring, because he then is like, you know, if you registered on the .com, and I call you, and all you got to do is give me the password, and you win. Uh, And he says, can we get a drum roll for the password, and, like, expects the crowd to be like, oh, they just sit there waiting for the (laughs) the fucking password. And then when it pops up, I thought... I mean, maybe I'm thinking of this in 2020 hindsight here, but what a generic, obvious password. WWE Universe. <laughs> I, it's literally like the most generic thing it could possibly be. Like, this yeah. WWE Universe. Because well, the other problem with like this, this segment and like Vince, I don't think, getting the reaction he was hoping it would from the live audience is, why would the live audience give a shit? Like, <laughs> maybe they have a chance of winning, but for the most part, like, they're watching you give money away to people that aren't in the building and you know this isn't necessarily the most entertaining thing in the world you know watching vince try to dial a telephone no and the big problem with this is because vince is doing this so often he becomes the glue for the he's like he's like the host of the show so like he has to tell us you know after this match i'm gonna give away two hundred thousand dollars and then he's like here comes the match and then we go to the match and it's just so weird Having him there, like, later on after the, like, Triple H and John Cena thing, he'll be like, well, that was big, but this is bigger! And it's just like, you don't, we don't need his little comment segues every time in between things. No, he ruins everything. Yeah, it's, yeah. After the first match, he's going to give away how much, DP? $200,000. $200,000, so. Yeah, he's got a million total to give away, but we're just Which doing 200000 So, WWE. You could win a million dollars tonight on Raw. Like, no, you piece of shit. He has a million dollars total yeah. that he's giving. It's just very WWE. Like, absolutely. Million dollar mania. Not actually, but you know. <laughs> so that brings us to match number one, a match that I did not expect to see on this show. Mr. Kennedy, after Kennedy. Having, having been stripped of everything that makes him unique, taking yeah. on Paul, don't call me a pirate, Birchell. With his sister, Katie Lee Birchall, by his side. Yes, the magical winter. Remember when she did the mirror thing with Angela, the White, Angela Love that. and TNA? <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew that she had gone somewhere else and had become someone else, but I couldn't remember what it was. So I'm glad she you was that. involved in TNA as recently as like not just a few years ago. And like the Grado needs a green card thing they did for a mm-hmm. while where he was like trying to marry somebody. And that's actually <laughs> how Joe Hendry came into impact. And now he's in Ring of Honor. So, but yeah, anyway, Paul Burchill. I, I remember the character and all that kind of stuff, but I hadn't really thought about the significance of Paul Burchill until I listened to Wade Barrett do the Colt Cabana podcast. Okay. And Wade talked about, and Colt, they talked about Paul Burchill was basically the first British guy since Finley and Regal to like get signed to a major American company. And that was in like the early to mid nineties that those two came really? on the scene. And I there mean, wasn't anybody until Paul friggin' Birchall. <laughs> and that was like the inspiration of guys like him, Seamus and Drew McIntyre. You know what I mean? That's like crazy. 
then there was obviously the flood, you know, of those mm-hmm. guys, and now an even bigger flood of a whole company. But I was just like, wow, Finley, Regal, Birchall. Like, that's the, <laughs> that's the lineage of, like, British wrestling infiltrating uh, the States, you know? I mean, because he had, like, the British Bulldog. Yeah. But he'd been around for a while, you know? I mean, it was... Mm-hmm. As no, far you're as not like, wrong. You know, the g- gentleman Chris Adams was hitting super kicks on WCW <laughs> Saturday night, but, that, you know, that doesn't necessarily count, so... So, the the crazy thing about Paul Burchill, I remember when I first was introduced to him, I was introduced to him through the video game, because I remember I'd been playing whatever the year before he arrived's game was, and then mm-hmm. I got the new game, and I was doing a Royal Rumble, I think, and all of a sudden, maybe it wasn't even a Royal Rumble, but all of a sudden this guy swings in from the side, and I was like, what is happening? And so then I had to, like, tune in to find out if this was a real thing, and then it was a real thing, and then he disappeared very quickly. and then he shows and i remember like being on the forums online and seeing people talk about like this new like you know murderous ripper paul birchall character that's got like a you know wears like a mask sometimes and he's like really different and cool and he's part of this ovw thing and then he shows up and then he's stuck with this katie lee birchall incest gimmick very quickly and then disappears again which we won't even go down that road i i don't know like (laughs) I don't know what their intentions were or why anyone thought that this wasn't the world's worst idea, but yeah. it was certainly near the top of the list. But yeah, they very quickly let us know that Birchall got mad because Regal is no longer the GM of Raw, and King says he's not even in the WWE at this point. He's gone. <laughs> so apparently we're also, you know, just a- shortly after the period of William Regal turning the lights out on Raw, and then he, you know, got the drug situation and, and got let, a- let go for a little while, but... <sighs> well. I mean, that's the thing about a few guys on this show, because I, I mean, we'll talk about them later, but, you know, Mr. A- Mr. Kennedy here is kind of the first on a list of guys that this is like a very odd time for them in their careers. Like at this mm-hmm. point, Kennedy has, be- you know, didn't get the McMahon family thing. Yeah. He lost his money in the bank briefcase tight. He's going to get drafted to SmackDown, spoiler alert, <laughs> on the up- in the upcoming yeah. draft. He'll go there and get hurt and then fail the drug test, like you had mentioned, you know. Oh, okay. that whole situation. Um, he would be brought back, dislocated shoulder against Shelton Benjamin, off TV for three months. Then he was drafted back to Raw in a supplemental draft. They they hyped his return. He was part of a ten man tag team match, and then was released from his contract four days after his big return. Damn, I didn't so, realize how how the ending was like that like, with the four day thing. Money in the bank, Mister Kennedy, mm-hmm. like the world in front of him like it's just wild like how quickly oh yeah a series of because i mean the randy orton thing is what a lot of people is why he's at least you know claimed like he got his ultimately got released but man the injuries just couldn't get out of the way of the injuries mm-hmm. they just didn't quite pull they didn't quite pull the trigger on the him being mcmahon's son thing and yeah boom out you know gone he's all he's one of those guys that's on that list of be kind of a fun list to do you know do you consider him a WWE guy or do you consider him a TNA guy? Yeah. I mean, I do think of like, it, it's always weird whenever I hear the word Mr. Kennedy now, because I, I right. started to learn Anderson. Anderson every time. Yeah. Yep. I so. don't I think Anderson for some reason, which it's weird because this is obviously how I was introduced to the character, mm-hmm. but I just, I think I saw so much more of him in TNA. So, Oh yeah. And it just amazed me that like, they're not having him announce himself. They're, Oh, like, that was the first thing that's I saw. Gone. And I was like, He's got the yeah. airborne song with lyrics to it. It's like, this is not a good Mr. Kennedy here. As soon as I, he didn't introduce himself, I went, oh, this is where 
we're on the backside of the Mr. <laughs> Kennedy days. Oh, man. So Kennedy and Birch will get started with a few slaps. Kennedy uses a single this leg to get a one count. It does. Birch will then <laughs> a belly-to-back suplex on Kennedy. His head clips the bottom turnbuckle. Uh, that yeah. blew it was me so away. Stupid. What are you doing? Like, I watched it and I was like, were they going for like the back suplex, like it into a turnbuckle? Like they backed into that corner. <laughs> or yeah, or it just kind of looked like he didn't know where the hell he was in the ring and Might be. literally almost killed Mr. Kennedy. So there's a uh, a sign that made me realize that oh yeah, this is 2008. We're we are just shortly into HD because someone has an I look good in HD sign, and I was like, oh, we are in widescreen here. Okay. <laughs> Paul Burchill literally had like three moves and he does a short arm clothesline like three times in this match. Like that's his go-to like <laughs> the pull him in and hit the clothesline does yeah. it all the time. Mr. Kennedy with the first roundhouse kick and last roundhouse kick. I can never remember him throwing as he suddenly became <laughs> Rob Van Dam in this match. I was like, yeah. what was that? He like oh. missed a kick and then like continued the spin with the, it was kind of amazing, but I was like, what the hell? Oh, well, right at that time is when we get this comment from JR as he's trying to be a little progressive here with the king. Okay. Well, you mentioned uh, Paul Virtual's sister, Katie. A little hot number there in the corner. She's no slouch herself when it comes to wrestling, you know. She actually pinned women's champion Mickey James last week in a tag match. I'm sure she'll appreciate you calling her a hot number. What else would you call her? Beautiful female. Talented athlete. Okay, you can be politically correct. Yes, WWE diva. <laughs> I just love that we go. You can be politically correct, diva. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. He's like yeah. That was uh, twelve years ago. They were trying to tell the king to be a little more politically correct. He didn't listen then either. I'm sure, she enjoys being called a oh, number. Yeah. It's the highlight of her day, King. Um, Mr. Kennedy hits the face wipe kick to the side of the head. And uh, Burchill initially blocks the mic check finisher, but Kennedy just hits it anyway. Yeah. And uh, wins the match. These two guys had zero chemistry. <laughs> like, they both just looked like they had no idea what the other guy was trying to do to them in this entire match. Like, it was just yeah. bad. No, this, yeah, and it's it's very short, which I'm glad yeah. because of that. But <laughs> there's yeah. the problem is with this million-dollar mania thing, Vince eats up so much time on this show. <laughs> That, like, yeah, everything is three minutes. So like, there's yeah. nothing that can be longer than that. <laughs> it is oh. so much Vince. Like, I know he's giving away the money, but more, like, f- guest interaction, I yes. think, would have been good for all these segments. <laughs> like, it's a lot of Vince, oh. man. And it just feels so much like they're, you know, flying by the seat of their pants and adding things oh, yeah. on the improv. Um, So... Katie Lee gets in the ring after this match, gets in Kennedy's face. They shout at each other a bit. Uh, then she slaps him. The fans chant for him to punch her, uh, but it's just a setup for Paul Burchill to deliver the Twisted Sister, a hangman neckbreaker. Is that what that are, swinging neckbreaker? Yeah, kind of both. Yeah, it's like a jumping neckbreaker. Yeah, so uh, the Burchills leave Kennedy laying, and we go back to Vince, who now has police standing guard in front of him because there's cash on top of the container. Yeah, if, yeah. again, if you want to know about Mr. Kennedy's current push, he's in a feud with Paul Burchill and Katie Burchill. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Vince is now ready to give away $200,000. Puts his cheaters on, which for Vince McMahon <laughs> to admittedly like oh. 
put on cheaters kind of surprised me because I just th- this is not a term that I've ever grown up with. I've never heard someone refer to their glasses as cheaters. And so it just my cracks dad, me yeah. up to hear that. No, my dad, he's got cheaters. He's always talking <laughs> about his cheaters. He's, he gave me a pair of uh, safety glasses with some other tools he gave me the other day. He's like, yeah, they even have little cheaters at the bottom of the lens you know where you can kind of where you can look it's, through if you need to I'm like this well weird, i don't need those but it's, thanks it's such a weird like old time way to look at like glasses like you're cheating if you're wearing your glasses <laughs> you're cheating the lord he decided you wouldn't be able to see and you defied him so see how vince has his cheaters on the other thing is he's asked to deal with this newfangled technology called a telephone and <laughs> he's even like He's talking like, I hope I don't miss dial. And he literally immediately presses the wrong number as he says that. It has to like hang up and start over again. <laughs> and like on one hand, you'd give like a man his age a pass, maybe like if not understanding the technology. Mm-hmm. But it's not even a cell phone. This yeah. is a, a phone that has been in every conference room this man has been in. <laughs> it's been in every office this man has been in in his life. This yeah. is as generic of a phone with the big giant numbers on them. Mm-hmm. Like they could have put out there for him like it is yeah as simple to use as possible it's not like it's a rotary or anything boy that would have been fun if you had to watch him spin it like that the whole time so now tony when you were watching this on the network did you feel like you were having a mandela effect here and that you were seeing something that didn't really happen did you remember something that maybe happened that they changed with this first call oh it seemed like it went too well when i watched it i will admit that like I, this whole segment ended, and I was just like, well, I didn't seem as awful as I thought I remembered that going. Now, so I, it does go, it goes about as well. Like, they didn't really change the order of events. The, okay. What they did change, though, was that the song, the song that this person had on their phone, when they signed oh. up, they immediately changed their song, apparently, because this is 2008, to okay. this. Imagine someone sitting at home, someone here in the arena with a cell phone. Is it true? Could he really be calling me? I have Hello. a cell phone. You have to give him the correct pass for the music until your party answers the phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what it was? Yeah. That's, that's not my fault. Caller ID. Hello, we must be. Uh, oh, this. Let's try that one again. Again, we're building the suspense. He's on. I think he's on the so I wanted to play that because I wanted to show also that Vince doesn't understand what a ringback tone is and is very confused no. and immediately yeah. hangs up when the hello happens. Yep. Yeah. He hung up on them just <laughs> as they answered, but he does call them right back. Yeah. So like in the real life version, you hear mm-hmm. never going to give you up twice. And okay. the crowd is, is kind of giggling, not really like yeah. ro- uproariously, but Vince doesn't understand what's happening. He doesn't know right, why people no. are laughing. And no. The point. The one thing I wanted to point out here: when you watch this, if you decide to go watch this after listening to us talk about it, notice Vince does not have an earpiece in for this first segment. He is uh, listening to the the PA system, and after this segment, he will have an earpiece, and then everything that the King says is going to throw him off for the rest of the night. <laughs> uh, I bet he was so pissed at the King too. So, so if if you're watching on the network, you would hear this song instead. We have to give the correct pass. Please enjoy the music with. until your party answers the phone. <laughs> <laughs> they're, the, they're, they're just the worst when they like replace music for anything. It's like, where do you even find this? Hello, we must be, uh, no, yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, God. 
I mean, I understand that they don't want to pay the money to, to that, and it's because you know somebody's ringback tone. But it is one of those yeah. things that it just made me laugh. That I was like, oh, because I kept seeing people comment about how, oh, this was the episode that he got Rick rolled, and I was like, yeah, I watched. I was like, no, he didn't. I was like, is that something right. people just remember that they thought happened that didn't? But yeah, no. If you look it up on YouTube, it did. Yeah, he but, got Rick rolled. Uh, but eventually, Daniel does answer the phone mm-hmm. after his smart ass ringtone. And uh, gives his home address on TV, which I love that Vince kept making these people give him their first, last name, and their home addresses. <laughs> well, he, gave, he gave him the town, I think. Because uh, the town's called 29 said, like, Palms. Everything. Oh, did he say? He might have said some numbers before that. <laughs> I can't remember. It's also like, it's not the best signal on any of these phone calls for the wow. person. Because like, they always say their first and last name. And the announcers and Vince seem to immediately know what that name is. But over the announce system that we're hearing it through, the last yeah. name is almost always gone for me. <laughs> yeah, I love when you know Vince doesn't hear it at all, and he just says, "There's Steven." There's a, later. There's a one where he's the guy says his last name, and as soon as the guy says it, I'm like, "That's way too difficult." <laughs> well, Steven. Uh, so yeah, that happens. Daniel wins two hundred thousand dollars. Not a bad night. Yeah, he knew the password uh, at least. Thank God, I was just I could have swore at least one of these were going to not know it. Um, <laughs> we go to commercial. We come back. Well, we see a bunch of D-list Oakland Raiders in the crowd. Which did yeah. we just see? Yes. Some Oakland Raiders on something. <laughs> yeah, last week's episode of Raw. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So I wanted to point out also, r- right after he wins the two hundred thousand, Vince gives him zero time to be excited to react yep. at all. The music just starts playing the money, 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 and Vince yeah. is like, "Oh yeah, we gave away money," and then like that's it, and they just go to the next thing. I was like, "You guys are failing to understand." What is the draw here? Like, <laughs> I don't feel like anybody gets to like really say thank you no. or celebrate. Like, they all get just like brushed off immediately. Game shows. That's what. Like, that's the the payoff is getting to watch the person excitedly right. win the prize. Like, and hear their reaction and see their face. But like, right. Vince doesn't understand yeah. that at all. Not in this company. You watch me celebrate. <laughs> I'm excited that I just gave away two hundred thousand uh, dollars. So match number two. Match number two. WWE Women's Champion Mickey James taking on Beth Phoenix. Yeah. So this also not a championship match. <laughs> no. Is as I will learn because I first I, I thought that we had a championship change here, uh, but they make sure to tell us that hey, if you can sit through this match, we're going to do another one of those money segments after this. They're like, right as this match has started, like don't turn the channel. We're doing more <laughs> million dollar mania next. Like we know you hate wrestling, but please keep watching. I also, you know, it, it really time capsules the show as JR and the King decided that they were going to discuss the real life romance of Mickey James and John Cena. Oh, on television. that was real life. I didn't know that, that was real life. I thought that was like an even John Cena storyline or something. No, and I, I, I could have swore it was like bad too. Like maybe not. I could have maybe he wasn't married and like he was cheating on his wife. But yeah, no, that was a thing. <laughs> Oh goodness! I just imagine that, like, all of a sudden, you know, you have your your wrestlers saying like controversial things and like half shoot promos, sunny days, and all right. that stuff. But like right. to have like Jr. and the King be like, "Oh yeah," and he's cheating on his wife. <laughs> oh goodness! Uh, uh, Phoenix hits a tilt a whirl backbreaker for a two on James. She then hits a slingshot suplex for another two count. Uh, full control here from the <laughs> Glamazon as she hits a backbreaker. On the women's champion, Mickey James, mm-hmm. uh, who would eventually fire up and deliver forearms to Beth Phoenix. Yeah. 
So as there, that was going on, the announcers let us know that Beth Phoenix is the featured diva for this month on WWE.com. So if you want to get on there and look at their 300 by 200 pictures, you could do that. Um, I love that JR insists on saying WWE.com, even though Vince earlier called it the.com and Cole on SmackDown always calls it just .com or the.com. Yeah. Um, so yeah, head scissors by Mickey. She hits some running forearms, knocks Beth to her knees and hits a low drop kick. Mickey then with a diving Thez press from the top rope and just rolls up the Glamazon and pins her one, two, three. And your winner yeah. is Mickey James. Yeah, not a terrible showing here for these two ladies in a very short amount of time to uh, do so. Mm-hmm. But post-match, Melina attacks Beth Phoenix. Yeah. And uh, did you like JR's Talladega Nights reference? Oh, I missed he that. If, he asked if Melina's all jacked up on the Diet Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm at least guessing that's what it was. What year did sure. Talladega Nights come out? Now I want to know if this was like a recent release. I just felt like it was the delivery was too much like the you know that kid in that, <laughs> oh, yeah. in that movie when he said that she was all jacked up on Diet Mountain Dew. Um, oh. I missed that part. They they didn't tell us that, you know, she lost at one night stand to Beth Phoenix. And I was like, why did they have a Molina and Beth Phoenix match at one night stand? <laughs> because DP, it was 2008 and that was about it. There wasn't a whole lot of options. <laughs> so yeah, the champion won the match and then immediately was interrupted by Molina afterwards. And then Molina's music plays instead as we watch <laughs> Beth sell her head hurting. Yeah, Mickey's just like, why am I here? Um, yeah. So that happened. Vince is back again. <laughs> There's only one thing possibly hotter than a diva giving away a lot of money. <sighs> yeah. So, and he gives away $75,000 this time. Yes. He, he gets just- a... He tells us, you know, like he's he's got this like running, like we've talked about the stage direction and these like inner thoughts that he's going through. This yeah. time, as he's calling, he's like, "Imagine that I call and I get a busy tone, and it's your grandma that called, and it's like, come on, grandma, I'm trying to win money.' Like, it's like right. this isn't what people are thinking about, Vince. Yeah, he just, uh, yeah, I love his like internal narration that he just like says out loud when he's dialing this. It's like maybe if you stopped trying to talk. And yeah. dial this number at the same time, you wouldn't have so much trouble. Dustin's big reaction after winning $75,000. Oh, all right. Yeah. And Vince is like, there you go. And then we play the music. I don't understand how anybody's reaction would be anything other than, oh, my God. Like, how would you not be just like <laughs> wildly excited about someone giving you $75,000? Like, I'm- that would be the best thing that could happen. I'm so curious if, like, you know, one of these, like, actual journalism wrestling websites has like done a, where are they now with these winners? I would love to hear like what happened, like how the money got, came to them, you know, the taxes and all that sort of shit. Right. I mean, every episode of that, like E true Hollywood story, when they talk about like the people that win the lottery, it never yeah. went well. So I'm sure <laughs> they all spent it immediately on like, you know, pop tarts and, you know, <laughs> Who knows what else? I don't know. Pop-Tarts and Gogurt. So we yeah, go to commercial. Exactly. We come back, and Triple H and John Cena are just, like, chilling in the God. locker room really what close is? to each other. They're, like, two inches away from each other's face. And as they start talking, I'm like, oh, this is when they did a feud as both being baby faces. <laughs> oh, Lord almighty, man. And it's also very clear that Triple H 
is not very good yet with I mean maybe they've been doing it for a while but he is bad with his timing on these scripted lines it's never been personal between you and me what it comes down to is being the best and right now you're looking at the best <laughs> yeah yeah but if memory serves me correct the one match that we've had yeah 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 <laughs> You beat me two years ago. You made me tap out at WrestleMania. But that was then, and this is now. And right now, I... Yeah, I know, you're the WWE champ. But will you still be in three weeks? Will you be? I guess we'll just, uh... Have to wait and see. Triple H is the worst. Uh, like, you just... Yeah. Why is he good. a baby face, also? I never understood when Triple H was ever a babyface, really. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, what, is this just before the third reenaction of DX or the uh, after the second one? So he's a good guy now that, like, demands everyone bows to him when he poses during his entrance. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of face Triple H. And it's just like, it's it's also like, this is, this match isn't personal. We're just, we're just here to fight who's, like, okay. Like, thanks. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm really excited to watch it. Yeah, why do I care then? Thanks for telling me that, like you guys aren't really all that into it. And in the era of coronavirus, like I couldn't watch these guys like angrily like speak their s's two inches away right. from each other's open mouths without being like, Jesus, yeah. you guys are just sharing all the spit here. This is disgusting. Yeah, yeah they just spit in each other's mouths for a couple minutes there. <laughs> Triple H ends with the threat that he might see Cena or might talk to Cena sooner rather than later. Ooh. And then Vince cuts in. No doubt, Cena versus Trips is big. But this is bigger. So here we go. And now, here to help me give away money, let's hear it for Charlie Haas. <laughs> what the hell, man? Why? Like, this is the most random know. interaction. It, again, like I said, I mean, I wouldn't have minded more of this. I would probably have liked it to have been people other than Charlie Haas. But <laughs> So this is when I noticed Vince's earpiece, and I'm like, okay, so this is the, that way they can explain. This is a ringback tone. Don't hang up. Um, yep. so yeah, he, uh, the booze rain down for Charlie. He walks out and they're going to give away some money here. He calls again and, uh, jokes, what would happen if I miss dial again? And it didn't go through. It's not, there's no dial tone. He's not realizing that there's no dial tone. So his like numbers aren't working again. There's <laughs> nothing after his second attempt. It's just bad. <laughs> this one goes, it's funny too, because he does say that Charlie Haas is bad luck. And it's like, well, I mean, <laughs> I will say, like, he had done fine up until this point, and uh, now he can't dial a phone for some reason. We get a busy signal, and then finally, yeah. we get an answer. Uh, uh, he says, hey, Gabe, bring me out another number. I can't get this number to go through. And so here comes the man from E-Prize, we're told. <laughs> this poor, awkward fellow, man. I don't know what he's getting himself into. Uh, so Vince is going to let Charlie dial, he says, but then he just starts dialing on his own again. And I'm almost sure that Vince has the announcers in his ear at this point, because this is when I think he hears King say, uh-oh, and thinks he says, hello. Whoever was on the line with him, they're going to want to do bad oh. things to him. Oh, what's this? It's ringing. Phone is ringing. Suspense. <laughs> King's like, uh-oh. He's like, hello? Who's this? What's, what's happening? Oh, phone is ringing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was totally like, I think he can hear him. I'm pretty sure he can hear him. Yeah. Um, I love to, yeah, like you said, he just tells Charlie, all right, Charlie, you dial this. And then he just doesn't. He just starts <laughs> dialing. Like, I was like, what was that? Um, 
So the phone rings and Donna answers and wins $50,000. Not too shabby. Yeah. But. But. But for another. Tw- he'll Vince will throw in another $25,000 if Charlie kisses a diva, which seems like a pretty easy thing to handle here, I guess. Yeah, he's really excited about it, it looks like. Right. You know, he hasn't done anything else, so why not? Uh, out comes Maria. And uh, she kisses Charlie Haas. Yeah. And um, now it's up to $75,000. Well, he doubled it the first time, and then oh. the second Divas for the extra 25000 So it ends up being oh, 125000 gotcha. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, but to get the rest of this money, Charlie's going to have to kiss another Diva. And that's when we hear the classic tune of one <laughs> Mae Young. <laughs> doot, 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 doot. The, the fucking staccato yeah. piano. Yeah, exactly. King goes, I know that music, as soon as it starts playing. And Mae Young comes out and wears the face off of Charlie Haas for, like, a solid minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then it's also it just why I feel like this feels all thrown together is that, like, she comes out, they're shooting that, and then, like, you don't even see him, but at some point, Farouk is standing on stage and just does the, damn, and then walks back away, and, like, you just see him walking away. Yeah, they <laughs> totally, like, somebody messed up the timing on that. I also forgot to mention that I love when Mae Young, when she first comes out there, Charlie's like terrified of her, and she grabs him by his trunks and pulls him in. <laughs> yeah, just cracked me up. And then, like I said, had oh. her, had some fun. Um, yeah, no, the Ron Simmons thing. I was like, wait, did we just get a damn? And yeah. they just literally were like, oh, sorry, we forgot to shoot that. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, guys, well. Oh, way to go. Sorry, we missed the first spear in nine years. Oh, dang. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, then we go backstage where JBL gives us the most generic, like n- nothing promo. Like, what was well, that? That's well, that's something that's weird about JBL at this time because the roster seems fairly loaded. But I can remember like when they Prichard and Conrad did the, like the JBL episode. They talked because this was like that time where JBL's like back, like mm-hmm. he's already retired. Oh, and, like, okay. Yeah, because he's got and, the Mama Joanna stuff on now, so that means he's yeah, yeah. he's come back. Because this is when he's had like that weird thing when Shawn Michaels like owed him money. Remember that like weird feud and like uh-huh. that's how Chris Jericho and Shawn initially got oh, kind of like okay. linked together after WrestleMania was there was that weird JBL was on Raw and Shawn Michaels had to like be his manservant for a while <laughs> or something because or else he was gonna stop supporting him financially because gotcha. Shawn lost all his money or something stupid. Oh, I don't goodness. know. Yeah, this is JBL like the Twilight tour. Like he's just here to, you know, be a match on Raw pretty much at this and, point. Yeah, he just says none of you people deserve Vince McMahon's money. And then, but Cena deserves everything I'm about to give him, and that's it. And then we just go to break. Yeah, it is a by the numbers, nothing much to say promo <laughs> here. Um, Did you know? Back- Tony, what? the WWE broadcasts in 23 languages to more than 130 uh, nations worldwide. I don't miss their facts. Do they still do these? <laughs> I don't feel like I notice them anymore. I don't notice they them do. if they are doing them. Yeah, it's 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 been a while. I've completely just like I don't. It's like the billboards on the highway. I just don't even see yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. Until you run into them. Um, Triple H is out after the break and joins the King and Jr. on commentary. Uh oh, and it's for match number three. Yeah, match number three is. One of our featured matches of the night, it's JBL battling John Cena. 
And oh. Triple H, you mentioned, came out here to be on the announce team. He has his one of my least favorite Triple H shirts of all time. It was like the Affliction style, like where they like put the graphic off to the side, so it's like disappearing on the shoulder, and it's just gray <laughs> and black, and it's awful. Yeah, it, it, Triple H was trying to steal Randy Orton's gimmick at that point. And Triple H makes a 1970s reference to the host of Let's Make a Deal, calling Vince McMahon Monty Hall. And I was like, I had to look up who Monty Hall was. <laughs> yeah, that was a little bit of a dated reference there. JR asks what Triple H expects to see. Tripp says, Cena knows I'm here, so he's going to be intense. <laughs> I also love when Triple H says that he's here to study Cena, but also says, but there isn't anything he can learn from watching John Cena. And I was like, yes. what? what are you out here for? <laughs> Cena, do- Cena, however, on the other side of the Triple H t-shirt story, uh, Cena has one of his best t-shirts of all time in his original like NES graphic uh, t-shirt that he has. Mm-hmm. I was, and this, the other annoying thing about this angle between these two is for some weird reason, we're playing up on John Cena and Triple H's lifelong love of professional wrestling. Yes. And they've been fans since they were kids. And it's just like this weird, like, neither one of these guys are new. Like, what are you, yeah. like, what are you selling me here? Like, I just, it was so, and they were pushing it so hard, like, constantly. Like, mm-hmm. it's Triple H just impressed. By Cena's story. <laughs> I may have not had a tinfoil belt, yeah. you know. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I mean, but I, I wanted nothing else than to be here and be the champion. And yeah, yeah it's like, I'm Kushida. No, I'm Kushida. Uh, right, exactly. Triple H stands up and holds the belt high, allowing JBL to attack from behind on John Cena as the match gets underway. JBL's in total control to start, clubbing blows, but Cena fires up with a bulldog. Triple H says that Cena is freakishly strong. But JBL hits a kick to the head and an elbow drop for a two count, a swinging neck breaker by JBL and Triple H calls Cena the Rocky Balboa of the WWE. He never quits. He never surrenders. Yeah, he's pretty kind here, although he could be he's kind of sarcastic, I suppose, at the same time, perhaps. That might be Uh, back from the break. JBL is slamming the face of John Cena into the announce table. Um, He then hits a standing elbow drop on the floor. And we get back into the ring after a little bit of fun outside the ring there. And JBL, the old cravat, <laughs> wrenching on the neck of John Cena. It's like eventually. Yes. We went to commercial break with them about to brawl outside. They then brawled yeah. outside throughout the commercial. And then we come back into a sleeper yeah. hold or a, a cravat. A nice yeah. little rest hold well, here. And, and now a sleeper hold. And then Jay, Cena fights <laughs> out of that. And then he gets put in a sleeper hold. Yeah, you're right. We wa- They fought on the outside during the commercial. And now we get to watch this. <laughs> Uh, Cena, though, eventually would fight out of that sleeper hold as well. But JBL, defiant, hits a big boot to the face and drops Big Match John. When you talked about Paul Burchill's short-arm clotheslines, that's the big boot for JBL at this point, because JBL hits like four of them in this match. <laughs> it's, it's his go-to. Yeah. Like, Look, I, I can still do this. <laughs> Cena, however, after the big boot, fires up with the five moves of doom, calls for the yep. you-can't-see-me, hits the, the knuckle shuffle, and then wants the uh, AA, but JBL counters with a clothesline from hell, which JBL, or uh, sorry, not JBL, JR clarifies that wasn't a lariat from hell. That was actually the million dollar clothesline because we're in the PG era now. So. God. The names have changed. No FUs, yeah. no, nothing from hell. JBL yeah. goes to the announce table, but Cena plays possum and gets an inside cradle after he comes back in the ring and pins him one, two, three. 
And your winner and still number one contender. I don't know if you lose that by losing to JBL, John Cena. Yeah, yeah probably not. Um, if you didn't get enough staring before, John Cena and Triple H stare at each other some more. <laughs> this time on the announcer table. Yeah, he then goes outside the ring, and they stand on the announce table together for some really silly reason. It like, felt so much like they were setting up for the WrestleMania shot with the, the sign in the background, but there's just nothing in the arena for them to put in the right. background. <laughs> Pretty much. Triple H in double knee braces, which it was kind of funny watching him gingerly jump down from this announce table because he was probably <laughs> afraid he's going to blow another quad if he didn't. Gets down and then childishly sweeps the legs out from underneath John Cena, causing him to fall on the announce table. Yes. And then he walks away and we kind of have like an, ah, you got me. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's just yeah. so bad. Cena looks caught off guard, a little bit embarrassed, but. The thing that I noticed, I didn't really pay attention to John Cena and Triple H the first time because in this crowd behind them, did you notice the fan in the uh, the fur coat and cowboy hat? Oh, God. No, I must not have. So right as they're standing there, he's losing his mind. He's on the phone with somebody. He knows he can be seen. So he's like waving and jumping up and down. He's got this Perfect. giant fur coat on. Literally, right as Triple H trips John Cena, you watch him then go to leave because he's actually sitting somewhere else. And as he goes like through the walkway, he trips at the same time and goes face first straight to the floor. And you just see the guy in front of him who had been watching on the big screen <laughs> go <laughs> look down and just see the guy just having fallen down. But then they immediately cut away and we don't ever see him again. But it cracked me up, man. I watched it like three times. <laughs> no, damn it, I missed that. So. Oh. so now we're told that tonight after Raw in USA, there's going to be a sneak preview of the Incredible Hulk. And the King's got his Hulk hands, and he punches JR in the face, and then JR starts making fun of himself like he's got barbecue on sauce on his face or something. He keeps wiping his lips. It's weird. Yeah, they they have some fun here, I guess, is about all you can say. I just yeah. laughed about I just remember all of these like over the years, these different sneak peek after Raw tonight. Like, you know, you, you get one of these every now and then where they were yeah. promoting some movie. So well, it's like, if it would have been like a 20 minute, like behind the scenes making of that sort of thing, I'd be totally into it. But there's always just like, Oh, you're just showing me the preview again. The like exactly. the 60 second television trailer. Okay. Yeah. That's all it was. Oh. So yeah, we got that to look forward to. Everyone remembers Edward Norton played in the incredible Hulk, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. That was the, that was the, the movie that he did it in. So, <laughs> Vince says he wants to be creative. We have $100,000 here, but I want to give away a little less than that. So he asks Lillian Garcia to stand up. This is just this is the most ridiculous thing. Like, it's just such a long walk to get to what he wants to. Uh, he says, I overheard you telling one of the other divas backstage that your measurements are blah, 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 blah. And that adds up to 98. So let's give away $98,000. Yeah. Why? Why do we need to have this 1,000 later on? <laughs> yeah, complicating the numbers is dumb. But the measurements is just, <laughs> especially in the midst of everything that's going on. And you think about yeah. Vince, Vince forcing women to kiss Charlie Haas so that, <laughs> so that he can get away $200,000. And now he's adding up Lillian Garcia's measurements to give away yes. some of them. And makes her stand there and smile and clap for it. Yeah. Yeah, it is weird. It's it's just awkward. It's like, why didn't you just say you're giving away $98,000 because 1998 was a great year for the WWF? Like, There you go. That uh, would have worked. 
So Vince still can't figure this dialing thing out. It's yeah. it's tortured every time that we do it. Stephanie answers the phone, and guess what? You won $98,000. And then everyone's like, wait, doesn't she have to give the password? If you can give me the password. <laughs> he almost forgets like twice. It's Yeah, from now on. like it's just He's always just like, you've won. And then, then if you can tell me. And so she gets it right. And so then he goes, well, now we're going to go to the highlight reel. And it's just such an awkward transition. Yeah. I don't know why he had to like toss everything. It's like, just stop talking and let's move on to the next segment. They should have just you know, brought the lights down on that part of the stage and a light comes up right. somewhere else. Yeah. So I was, I was pleasantly surprised to see that in the midst of all this McMahon's millions, you know, foolery, mm-hmm. we have one of the probably the most memorable highlight reels of all time yeah. here tonight. I was so excited and, when and, this started. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I, I remember this. Yeah, and the beginning of a you know feud that would span the better part of the next year or so. Mm-hmm. Off and on. Yeah, definitely. Nope. But yeah, it's Chris Jericho with the highlight reel. His special guest will be the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. Yeah, he says he's my hero. He was an inspiration, and he's someone that I call a friend. Yeah, when this was starting, he was doing that like, ah, oh, gee golly shucks thing. I was like, wait a second. I was like, what? Where, what, t- what What is the status of their feud at this point? And then I was like, oh, it hasn't even really started yet. So, Yeah. Um, JR says that, you know, Michaels is still showing some wear and tear from his stretcher match at one night stand against Batista. And I'm like, we need to do this one night stand from 2008 at some point because this is like such weird Not matches bad. that they had on the show. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's still here. And there's like a 15-year-old girl shown in the crowd. And King can't help himself but give a, ooh as they then cut away very quickly, and Jim Ross powers right through it with the old steamroller method. <laughs> I'm just sure at some point they probably told King, don't ooh at any shots anymore. All right, just don't do it any. I don't care if she's 85 years old. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, Jericho is complimenting Sean, talking about how proud he should be of his performance against Batista, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, how resilient it was, and blah, blah, blah. And Sean here, because Sean had a bit of an edge at this time. He was heelish during yeah. this over the course of the Batista thing, and you know there was well because Triple H went and took the face roll, so he's got to be right. prepared to go against him if he needs to. Yeah, so he's a little bit, uh, you know, he's not really he doesn't have time for this. He's kind of dismissive of Sean of Jericho's, um, act, you know, appreciation, and says you know thanks for the kind words, but you know, did you have a question? <laughs> Thought you were in an interviewer. God damn it. Yeah, here's yeah. here's some of that. Yes, I do have a question. I'm going to get to that. But first, I just want to make a little observation. I mean, like we just heard, obviously, our fans, they, they love you no matter what it is you do. Um, no matter what, right? Case in point, you feigned a knee injury uh, for almost a month. You blatantly lied about it to me. You lied to Batista. Whoa, you whoa, 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 whoa. Now, I might be splitting hairs here. But I was very clear about the fact that I was going to do whatever it took to win. And I did that. I didn't lie to Batista. I didn't lie to the people. Technically, the only person I lied to was you. So there you go. He's he's technically right here. Yeah. So Sean, again, not being super friendly with Chris Jericho. No. Over the course of things here. Uh, Chris comments on the cheers he got for super kicking him and the booze that Jericho got when he called Sean out 
for super kicking him. Mm-hmm. You know, getting, kind of talking about the hypocrisy of this whole thing. Um, he asked Shawn Michaels, you know, how did he turn into such a lying, cheating little worm of a human being? <laughs> and then those fighting words for Shawn Michaels. That's that's PG era fighting words. I won't go into the words <laughs> that they've been saying in 1997 to one another because it would probably get them taken off the USA Network in 2020. Yeah. But little lying, cheating little worm of a human being was all Sean needed here to just blow off and start throwing fists. Oh, yeah. Yep. They attack each other. The brawl breaks out. Jericho, after beginning to take a pounding, hits a low blow, and it just completely disables Michaels. Jericho then pie faces him to the ground. The fans are booing as Jericho stands tall above him, saying, this is all your fault, Sean. He picks him up, and he says, the worst is yet to come, and then he just turns, and they start running. And I'm like, what's happening? And then they pulled the camera back, and they run straight into the TV. The Geratron 5000 just shatters all over the place. Michaels goes down, holding his eye, selling that you know something has cut his eye all open, and Jericho Nobody just sells. stands over him. Nobody sells like they could possibly be dying like Shawn Michaels. Like he, he's up there historically in in instances like this, just goes into like the most dramatic, you know, sell of all time. <clears throat> no, it's one of those things that I remember like watching this the first time, and because the show hadn't been great for a while before this, I was not like super hyped about this episode of Raw. But I remember right. this kind of feeling. It feels so much different than the rest of the show. It's like, oh, we're getting a real angle here. We're getting some some real wrestling going on. Like, this is cool. And, and you know, like the Jericho character being kind of in the right the entire time. Like, oh, yeah. you can completely understand his point of view here. It's, yep. it's, it's, uh, it's a great little way that they used it to turn him heel. Yeah, well, because... Yeah, this is what he's talking about. Never mind. I was trying to think. There was another instance that he calls out. He like calls Sean out for winning a match by cheating or something. That I felt like mm-hmm. maybe it's down the road or something. But yeah, we go to a commercial. We come back from commercial. You can tell it's a hot angle because we're watching replays of things we just saw. <laughs> Almost the entire thing. Um, and then we go to match number four. And wow, what a combination here. <laughs> it's match number four. It's Umaga and Snitsky taking on the current... Chant, tag team champions for God's sakes, Cody Freshface Rhodes, and how do you like me now, Hardcore Holly? <laughs> yeah, dude i I didn't I don't remember at all the Snitsky Umaga tag team. Well, that's why I, I sent you that text because this is again like Mr. Kennedy earlier in the show. Two more guys that you know just a year or two previous were. Mm-hmm. Maybe on the you know on the on the upswing, and now are both nearing the end of their runs and with the company entirely. It's also two. They're they're two guys that are very strangely different in the way that they came in. Like Umaga was this skyrocket that yep. they oversaturated, and the fans yep. really didn't like at the end. And and then like as he got further away, I think like at this point, you probably could have returned to having him more as as the character that he had been. But yeah. I remember being completely done with Umaga the year that he was just facing John Cena in the championship and all that stuff. And that's, and that's what we're coming off the heels of. This is the we're coming off the heels of him losing to Batista at WrestleMania. Okay. Remember when they had that nothing interpromotional match and then <laughs> they just beat Umaga for no reason. And then he kind of never recovers from that. Like he would go over to the course of that year, kind of up and down. Um, here, here he is. He ends up getting traded to SmackDown. 
doesn't really ever do anything on there at all. Okay. Um, the last thing of any note that he would kind of be involved in was uh, a strap match with CM Punk, I think, at the next year's Extreme Rules. Hmm. But uh, kind of flounders around, and then sadly, you know, he passed away in 2009. So Yeah, it's not, not a whole lot longer from after this. So And Snitsky, are you trying to get fired? He looks... <laughs> He looks like Iron Mike Sharp does in like 2018. Like he's yeah, everything it's, is shaking, and it doesn't look like he's you know been taking care of himself. <laughs> yeah, on top of the theatrical yellow teeth. Um, right. Yeah. Exactly. So then, yeah. Then we, on the other side, we've got Cody Rhodes and Hardcore Holly, a, a team that I remember enjoying the story of. And I remember. Yeah. You know, being like, oh, okay, here's something that this Cody Rhodes kid's getting to do. And it was kind of the first glimpses of what Cody Rhodes could do, you know, because up until this point, you hadn't really seen a whole lot. Um, but King yeah. says, this tag team is uglier than Hulk Hogan's divorce. And JR says, that's ugly, brother. I was like, yeah, man, you both are going in on Hulk Hogan here in 2008. Well, and think of the timing. Who just showed up in TNA? Oh. Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff. <laughs> that's exactly why that happened then. So yeah, the champs last week lost a non-title match on Raw, so they've not uh, exactly been on a roll as of late. And I love this is really kind of an underrated storyline that's very well done. How it's kind of slowly woven in here mm-hmm. with Cody and Bob having miscommunication problems, you know, costing them matches, tension within the team, you know, all yeah. leading to you know what happens at the pay per view. So. Absolutely. And this one, this match, it felt like they realized how long the Charlie Haas McMahon segment went and they told him, hey, guys, that eight minute match you had planned, you have three. And (laughs) they come out here. Cody starts. He tags Holly immediately and they act like we're six minutes into the match already. Like and they're going to shortcut their way throughout this entire match. Just trying to hit those high spots to have at least something that reads as a tag team classic match. So. He wants the double suplex on the tag uh, in, and he hits it. Uh, Umaga comes in, attacks Holly. Rhodes is upset about this. Snitsky with a quick slam in tags Umaga. JR says that Snitsky has the brownest teeth in WWE. He covers for a two after a slam, and the heels are just in control early. There's a nice gut wrench scoop slam by Snitsky at one point. Yeah, yeah, not bad stuff here. But yeah, like you said, the, the big bad heels are in control for the most part. Um, Holly would avoid a leg drop and hits a drop kick to the knee of Snitsky. Cody and Umaga would make hot tags and uh, things hot would tags. not go well for we're, Cody Rhodes here. Oh, we're 80 yeah. seconds into the match and we're doing hot tags, but yes. Yeah, he hits a uh, reverse sidewalk slam, dropping him on his face. Then the Samoan spike and I was like, holy shit, that's it. And I was right. Yeah. Umaga <laughs> and Snitsky beat the tag team champions. I thought... This was a championship match. I thought after the two matches that weren't championship <laughs> matches that this one for sure was, and I was like, oh, my God, Umaga and Snitsky became champions? I didn't know this. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. No, that never happened, thank goodness. Oh, but Yeah, I, I was not expecting this, and I'd forgotten the storyline that had being, been being told until this next little bit of the show. Because <laughs> yeah. it was one of those things where I was like, really? They just, they just beat him like that? But then JR's like, oh, man, this is their like, last two matches that they've lost. And here comes none other than Ted DiBiase Jr. And he is very green, and we're going to give him a live mic to talk for a little bit. You better get your act together, and you better do it fast. Because your time as champions, it's running out. 
And in two weeks, there will be new world tag team champions. And that moment will be just like me. Simply priceless. <laughs> the what's, man. We are... Six years from 2002 when that was introduced, they're <laughs> still going it's, at it. It's 2020, and sometimes they can't. People still pull that crap out. I, I do know though, like because when you go back and watch these 2008, 2009, like 2007, Matt, it is it was annoying. Like it just took oh. one person to start it, and it would just yeah. grow and like that's what you heard there. I'm so yeah. glad that that has at least for the most part died down. <laughs> it seems like it. Um, yeah, but Ted DiBiase, you know, for reasons unknown. Gets a world title tag team title shot at the pay per view, and he gets to have a mystery partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like okay, I guess. I mean, why not? Now, what's fun though is that this is the seeds being planted for the legacy angle that would you know, the, at the pay per view. DiBiase would be by himself fighting Cody and Holly. Holly would be in there for a long time. The first time he goes to make a tag to Cody, Cody would you know attack and yeah they would align themselves and become tag team champions. Orton, who's away with an injury at this point, would make his return. And, uh, you know, don't forget about Manu. We all, we all love Manu. <laughs> the forgotten legacy member, yeah. Yeah, the forgotten legacy member. And Jimmy Snuka's other son that dropped The Undertaker. I can't remember his name. Oh, goodness. I didn't even realize that was the case. Um, but yeah. I think that one was like a week, and then he was gone. The the trio is starting to be put together here, starting with the tag team of Ted DiBiase Jr. and Cody Rhodes, which it makes perfect sense from you know the the positions that those men are coming in as, and it, it makes perfect sense. And like you said, it's a good storyline the way that they built it here very slowly and with all the you know tension between the two men. So now we get a segment about WWE working with the Make a Wish Foundation. Including a much younger, but not really young John Cena smiling about getting to do it. True. We see Rey Mysterio with a kid, Michelle McCool with these kids. And, you know, it seems like it's a great thing. Raven Simone made an appearance at Mania that I completely forgot about. Uh-huh. And uh, but then we then start to come back from that. And it's this part of my notes are just like, wait, what? What is happening? <laughs> we We cut from that. And Jillian Hall is finishing singing and Vince is telling her to stop and Trevor Murdoch's there for some, some fucking reason. It's so fucking confusing the way that the WWE yeah. has edited this. Yeah. I, no, they, well, they, act, they just try to act like it didn't happen. They really, I mean, they could have just probably cut this out completely. I don't know why they showed us any of that. Yeah. I don't know why Vince had to interrupt her at the end, but yeah, exactly. It was one of those things where I was so curious. I looked it up cause I was just like Jillian Hall, Trevor Murdoch segment from raw this and, and it popped right up. They just edited out because again, Apparently, you don't want to play copyrighted music, but the way these people sing these songs, I don't know that anyone was going to be able to make a claim anyways. Yeah. Like, it's just not, not quite there. Hold on one second. No, not at all. No, I can't. It seems silly that they would even make a point of you know, worrying about this at all. Like, yeah. So here is, from YouTube, the original version of what happened. Okay, so Trevor Murdoch. And Jillian Hall are going to have somewhat of a sing-off, if you would, and then we're going to give away lots more money. Let's start with you, Trevor. All right, you folks ready? Uh... <laughs> Come on, clap your hands, JR. Okay. Go on and take your money and run. 
this if you're not even going to announce a winner there's not even anything it's just filler that for some yeah, reason is we're, happening we're, we're we're rushing people to finish their matches in 90 seconds but <laughs> jillian hall and trevor murdoch just get their segment cut from the the network version oh. um what what yeah. do you think though of this like of jillian hall i've just she's a character that we don't get to see a whole lot and it feels like this was i mean the fans aren't happy about it, but they're like, it's right. a smile booing. Like they're enjoying it at the same. Like, I feel like this is working like this. character. I, think, I really think Jillian Hall was a victim of just bad timing with, you know, kind of the way the women were treated in the company or that, mm-hmm. because I feel like now they would embrace that character. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, I think Jillian would have like, uh, she would fit in right with the iconics. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like she, yeah, she's a character <laughs> in that same kind of a vein, you know, where, it would end up being kind of endearing, I think, at some point, like how bad mm-hmm. her singing was, or, or like our Vicky Guerrero situation. Yeah, you know, you could have, you could have put her instead of making her sing, you could have just had her like cut promos in a high pitched voice, and mm-hmm. she could have been with like a heel or something. You know, I don't know. I, I, th- I think she would have. I think she would have been. She was ahead of her time, maybe, and would have actually probably been better utilized in the current WWE than she was in you know 2008. Definitely. So yeah, because like I remember when she was with JBL. And she was mm-hmm. part of like the stable, or like that was a good role for her when she was just kind of you know yeah part of the, the annoying yeah annoying the you had the annoying high pitched voice or whatever so oh so Vince is ready to give away some more money he gives gives a call to somebody and <laughs> the lady picks up and he says now what do you think that performance that we just saw was worth what a dick he goes I think it was worth two dollars so Sarah you won two dollars and hangs up. I, I was just like, was that real? <laughs> That's what I was like, curious. I was like, I know that they, for the most part, you have to be very legitimate with doing these like actual contest right. things, but could they insert a false one in the middle if they wanted to? Like, it's just, I, I, this it's, is the person that I want the, the, where are they now? I want to know right. what that experience was like. When did they get their check for a dollar? Because half of it went to taxes. Yeah, probably would have gone to taxes. <laughs> I just, cause it's, for me, it's like, was that supposed to be funny? Like it wasn't funny. I just was like, I ultimately just felt bad for the person. Like you like entered this sweepstakes or entered this contest. You actually managed to get randomly selected to have your phone rang, you know, ring. (laughs) And then the guy gives you $2 and hangs up (laughs) because Jillian Hall and Trevor Murdoch didn't entertain him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I I was just like, man, that felt so bad. I did too. And I, and then when he's, he keeps going, he's like, all right, Gabe, come on out here and give me another phone number. We're going to give away $200,000. <laughs> and then he like insults, like, ah, 
Could you imagine being that last person? I bet they wish I would have called them second. It's like, Jesus, man. Like, yeah. why do you, you have to make it worse? Oh, so this guy is the only guy of the entire night that actually gets a chance to respond after winning, and he <laughs> makes it worthwhile. Universe. That's it. Joshua, you have just won $200,000. Holy shit. <laughs> <Atta> boy. <laughs> money. Not for money, Kevin, because it's all about the money. So, Probably wasn't edited the first time, I'm imagining. I, I tried looking up like a YouTube clip of like with it out being the bleep, but I don't know. They might have had a seven second delay and, and got it yeah. in there. But Jim Ross then teases ECW DP with Mike Adamley and Taz. Ooh, <laughs> man. Ooh, yeah, that's not a good time for ECW, man. I'd like to talk to Taz about those days. I'd like to know how he liked working with Mike Adamley. That would ECW. be interesting, yeah. Couldn't have probably been too happy about it. So is it is at this point that we we talk about Santino and Jimmy Kimmel's cousin? Yeah, match number five. If you want to okay. introduce the players, and then yeah, they yeah match number five. We've got another tag team match. This time Random it's tag team. the tag team of Santino Morella, heel Santino, and heel Carlito battling Crime Time. Shad Gaspard and JTG. Yeah, uh, you know, it's nice seeing Crime Time. Obviously, the, the untimely passing of Shad Gaspard not mm-hmm. too long ago. So it's good to see these guys in all their glory. Certainly, peak Crime Time. Have they got, I mean, I can't. It's not a bad time, I guess. They got a little bit of a DX rub, too, I think, if I remember oh, okay. correctly. I can't, I don't know. I could be wrong with that. But yeah, this is also, I feel like, is Carlito kind of up and over the hill at this point? <laughs> I think so. I think yeah. his best times are behind him already. Yep. Yeah, I think I think he's just kind of he's just kind of here. I was like, "What the hell is Carlito doing with Santino?" Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so this match gets underway here. Well, f- before that, yeah, we're told that Santino recently wrestled Jimmy Kimmel's cousin Sal on an episode of SmackDown. Yeah. Sal won the match. Yeah. And then we go backstage where Jimmy Kimmel is with Sal. And they're trying to ask Sal questions, and Jimmy Kimmel just won't let Sal talk. And he just keeps yeah. saying that, you know, he's really excited. He's super happy that he got the win, and he can't wait to face another wrestler next. And we learn that it's going to be the big show. Yes. Eve is the one actually backstage trying ah. to interview Cousin Sal and Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, just another one of those random WWE special guest kind of things. I mean, I <laughs> believe that the Jimmy Kimmel show would have probably been in its infancy at this time, wouldn't it? Oh, 2008? Yeah, I don't know. I'm curious when that started. Or if it did it even exist? Well, yeah, it had to probably existed at this point. I know the the people in the comments that I saw, like when in the reviews of this episode, um, mm-hmm. anytime that they mentioned, though only a few people mentioned it, but they the people that did mention said they were upset that there wasn't an Adam Carolla run in. So maybe this was coming off oh. Man Show times. I don't know. Wow. Yeah, hard to say, but yeah, it would have been right in that area though. Uh, but yeah, now to the action. JTG. Uh, snapmare and frustrates Santino Morella. Shad comes in, hits a splash in the corner, and then he Drew McIntyre does this to guys now, you know, as a move by himself. But he grabs JTG by the ankles, who's like sitting mm-hmm. on the top rope, and then just like flips him over his head, and he lands on top of uh, Santino face first. Yeah, it's like 
an Alabama slam where you land on your stomach right. instead of your back. Right. Yeah, but Drew McIntyre does them now as well. So. I remember loving this move in the the to put on my tag team characters on uh, the game, video yeah. game. It was always a great one. Yep. No, yeah. So good stuff there from the tag team of Crime Time. Uh, Carlito tags in, stomps away in the corner. Back in Santino, um, puts a camel clutch on. <laughs> I just love three-minute matches with fucking yeah. rest holds, man. Oh, well, I mean, and this is a legit, like, he fucking wrenched. This is like Steiner recliner yeah. style. Like, he's, like, yeah. got him bent all the way back. Um, mm-hmm. Eventually, Shad gets the tag in. Big clotheslines, a power slam for Santino. Carlito stops the pin, however. JTG comes in, low bridges Carlito to the floor. And in the ring, Shad with big boots on Santino and hits the high impact, as JR calls it. I don't know what the actual move was. It kind of was like a flatliner, really. Okay. So I was, I was curious. I was like, was he calling it the high impact or was he just saying high impact move? Um, <laughs> eh, either or. He probably couldn't tell you if you asked him. Uh, but yeah, Shad gets the pin in the win. Yeah, no, I thought crime time was really impressive here. Uh, I liked you know, it. Another one of those, another one of those teams that like they just... They got to a certain point with him, and then it just fizzled out. Unfortunately, you know they. Oh yeah, they were wildly popular there for you know a brief brief time. Oh yeah, so Vince, uh, you know, oh great match by the tag team of Crime Time, and asked them to come on up. Why don't you guys come on up here and help me give away some money? And yeah, so so hey, if um, you hadn't had enough of Vince's sexism over the course of the night, <laughs> get ready for some of Vince's mild racism to take place oh. now. Goodness, Vince says we got a lot of money left, and at the uh, end of the main event, I'm going to give away $250,000 to one person, a quarter of a million dollars, but right now we got to give away whatever's left, so it's $51,998. Yeah, Vince then mentions that they probably need more security on stage as crime time make their way. Granted, they have been a characters that steal things when other people are around. (laughs) Granted, the entire premise of crime time is racist. So yes, exactly. It's, it's been established for a while, but it still feels a little weird. Um, right. So yeah, Vince has almost completely stopped with the password again. He's just calls and says, you're the winner. Yep. So it's hung up immediately. And then when they start playing the music, Vince is like, hold on. I know that that's been the format so far, but I, I wanted to do something different. Oh, Let's start this run. What's it about? It's all about that money, money. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, now he just needs to go get his uh, ECW champion do rag that he poured <laughs> in. Not too long before this. Oh, <laughs> I, I do. It was, it, it's always fun. You can tell when Vince genuinely likes, yeah, something that people like are getting over with because he inserts <laughs> himself into being a part of it at some point. Usually, you know. Oh yeah. Whether it's the yeses or it's some new day hip shaking or you know. Just, <laughs> You can tell the things that he genuinely enjoys and wants to actually be a part of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he, he looks like he's having a blast here. You know, the oh, fans yeah. are enjoying the chant. It's it's a it's a fun moment on the show that really doesn't have a whole lot of fun moments. But then, you know, he throws to break, not even talking about the main event that's coming up, but quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. Oh, and a pay-per-view quality main event. 
No big deal. Uh, <laughs> John Cena joins the announced team, and then it's time for match number six. It's, oh, yeah, Jeff Hardy's around taking on Triple H. Like, Jeff yeah. Hardy is a big deal at this point, you know, and he's just, he's kind of in the shuffle. I mean, here he is in this match, but I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. as far as the show goes, there's been no real mention of him or anything. And so. the week before this, Jeff Hardy faced John Cena for the inner, the number one contendership. So yep. and he's lost. coming off a loss and now getting a chance yeah. to fight the champion, which makes total I'm, sense in WWE. <laughs> I'm going to burst people with their incorrect member berries. This Jeff Hardy song sucks. Oh, the writing on the wall song. Yeah, no, this, this isn't is great. Worst. It's not good. It, Cause it's, it's also not a good like entrance theme. It's not as bad as his original TNA theme in Modest by Perox Wygen, his own band. Ah, uh, yeah. But it isn't as good as just the generic Hardy Boys music. <laughs> exactly. I know he's always complained about all oh, that old ass Hardy Boy music. It's like, yeah, Jeff, because you think all the songs you sung on <laughs> were all outstanding, <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, is that no. none of them are good, or they're at least not as good as the original Hardy Boys theme. Yeah, no. And this one, also knowing the issues that are coming up for Jeff Hardy um, in in this company and then leaving this company, it is like the lyrics are a little bit on the nose with, don't you see the writings on the wall? You're in way over your head. <laughs> You're going to do the things you said, all that stuff. So uh, not wrong. Yeah, there's again, they're pushing this lifelong fans narrative. And I I guess because it's babyface versus babyface. So they're just trying to give them anything to. Well, no, I liked it more when I was a kid than he did. No, yeah. I liked it more when I was a kid. Oh, with like, Cena? Yeah. Yeah. I do like, though, JR is. Conti- he points out, he's like, you know, hard to argue. Jeff doesn't get the biggest reactions from the crowd every goddamn night we come out here because <laughs> it's on this show, easily the biggest reaction is Jeff Hardy. I'm sure that's what he's saying in meetings when they're backstage <laughs> trying to figure out how it's going to be Triple H versus Randy Orton again. And oh. JR's like, hey, guys, uh, Jeff Hardy's been the most over guy in this company for the last year or so. But yeah, whatever. Yeah, Cena tells us he was embarrassed earlier after Triple H tripped him on the, the table, but that makes him just, he knows now what kind of a match they're, they're heading into. So that's, that's what he, that, that just makes him understand how this is going to be. Yeah. Uh, Triple H makes the same mistake that John Cena made in the match earlier, staring at him <laughs> while he's sitting at the announce table. And Jeff Hardy takes advantage, of course. Um, delivers a clothesline out of the corner, then hits his inverted enziguri, followed by the pendulum drop kick in the corner, and that gets a two count on the game at Triple H. So Jeff oh, yeah. Hardy with an early flurry here. JR calls him unorthodox, and Cena says he's like scrap iron. And like, I don't know what that means, John Cena, but okay. I, Adam Pierce? That, that was his nickname. <laughs> King anyway. says, are you worried about Triple H injuring Randy Orton in their match? And Cena says, hey, man, that happens. And that's kind of how they just move past that. And <laughs> we get a double A spine buster by Triple H. He mounts Jeff, uh, Jeff Hardy here and kneeling in the teabag formation over Hardy's face and punching him. JR calls it the alpha male count, the alpha male mount position. And I was like, that is gross. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't even know what that means. And then we get the high knee by Triple H. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He used the high knee that drops him. Uh, back-to-back knee drops. Then the abdominal stretch. And Triple H even goes to the old ropes for leverage move here and stares at John Cena while he cheats. <laughs> and again, I love that he's a baby face. Because I'm just sitting here watching this like, what exactly is baby face about Triple H at any time? No. Uh, he whips Hardy into the corner hard and he collapses to the mat. 
does it a second time and covers Jeff for a two count. Uh, Hardy, though, got his boots up in the corner on a charging Triple H. We've, But it was not for long as H hits Jeff with the knee buster. Oh, yeah. And we, we've talked in the past, like, we've lo- reviewed some, like, Jim Crockett promotions, JR, where he'll sometimes just steamroll things and steamroll the conversation. John Cena is <laughs> steamrolling this thing. Like, he's just nonstop talking about, like, all these different elements of the match and Triple H, and the announcers have to, like, stop him so that they can call moves and stuff. <laughs> right. Like, shut up, John. Oh, he So then... Hardy with punches and kicks, fighting back. A knee lift from Triple H for a two. JR sounds like he's sending to commercial break suddenly, but he's just resetting in the middle of the match. Um, we get a right hand punch by Triple H. He's looking at Cena. He mocks the you can't see me hand motion. And Hardy takes advantage, counters, misses on the whisper in the wind, however, when Triple H just dodges him and he crashes and burns. Yep, not good. Uh, Hunter clotheslines Hardy to the outside. Uh, apparently, that's how he injured Randy Orton. Was on something ah. similar to that, and Orton dislocated his shoulder. So, gotcha. Or broke, broke his collarbone. Sorry. Jesus. Uh, Triple H slams Jeff Hardy face first into the guardrail. He then uh, then Jeff whips Hunter into the ring bell barricade area. Uh, hip toss from Triple H sends Hardy over the announce table into the lap of John Cena. I kind of figured that would be the end, and they brawl, but they don't. <laughs> just <laughs> Cena just kind of gets up. Cena pulls. You know, H is, Tr- Triple H is on the apron at this time, about to get back in the ring to stop a count out. Cena would pull him off the apron. That would give Jeff Hardy the win. So Jeff Hardy beats Triple H by count out. I was like, all right. Yeah, but it's like the ref is counting just Triple H out and looking directly at Triple H while John Cena interrupts. And it's like, yeah. th- wouldn't that be a DQ? Why was that a count out victory? I don't You're know. Not wrong. You're not wrong. But yeah, another champion loses their non-championship singles match on this. Like, every champion lost tonight. Yep. Except for Mickey James. <laughs> Make, making him look strong. Yeah, but she wasn't involved in, like, the post-match melee. No, yeah, yeah. She didn't get the shine of the, the segment. Yeah. So, Hardy wins. We don't take a celebratory shot of Hardy. Instead, we're watching John Cena and Triple H stare at each other. But at least Jeff Hardy has the sense to dive onto them both, knocking them down, and then gets a little bit of a raise his hands with the music playing. And then I was just in awe because I was sitting here going, how are they going to do this? They go to commercial break, and on the timeline on the network, there's like three and a half minutes left on this entire show. (laughs) I was like, okay, I'm going to squeeze it in there. Yeah. And they still have to give you the sneak peek for the Incredible Hulk. Well, I think that's like a commercial afterwards. I don't know that that well, would yeah, be part I, of the time. I just, re- I just remember a lot of times like when I'd record those, that oh, that okay. would be their like hangover five yeah, minutes. It would be in something. your recording if you DVR'd it? Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So the other thing that's crazy about this is they do the main event, they finish the main event angle, and then they throw to break with the only thing keeping you around is yep. this one more Vince McMahon oh. on the phone segment. And if they called you and you were at home and you, as long as you had been watching earlier, yeah. you wouldn't even have to still be watching the show. Exactly. That's like, why would anybody keep watching at this point? Why did the fans well, yeah. stay in the arena? That was the thing that blew me away. I was like, I thought for sure when we came back, like half the crowd would be gone, but they're still here <laughs> for some reason. Oh. Yeah. And, and this is also like a nothing segment. Like Vince just yeah. comes just out, does it, makes a phone call. <laughs> 
they answer, he gives them the money and says, and we're going to do it again next week. Yeah. I'm so crazy. I'm going to give another million dollars away. So make sure to re-register if you registered already. And if you didn't register, make sure to register this week. He says he's going to do this one without his cheaters. And I was like, why didn't you bring your glasses back out here? When he said that, I was like, are you serious? Like, this is the last one of the night, and you're going to go out here and risk it all on maybe not being able to see the damn phone. Like, you ignorant old man. So, yeah, Steve answers. He is watching Monday Night Raw. Vince, again, doesn't let him say anything of excitement after winning. Just congrats to you and then to all the winners. Tune in next week. Good night, everyone. I just felt like Vince was just like, you win, and then hanging up on them immediately. Like, they just didn't even get to say anything. Uh, oh man! So yeah, that's that. Now, doesn't this also all lead us to the Donald Trump feud? Ooh, it might eventually. I, I think doesn't this was Donald does, Trump behind does, does the it, stage crashing down on Vince in two weeks? I just thought, and maybe I'm completely wrong about this, but I just thought like Donald shows up at some point and is like going to take and is going to give away his money or something or oh, I can't. I just okay. thought, I thought that's how that whole thing got started. Was that might be the Donald, case? Donald one up in Vince or something. I can't remember. Oh, so, yeah, it, that might be the case. I'm not a hundred percent on that. Overall, right. though, I think just like watching this show, it was like this is a weird look into this attempt to turn dwindling ratings around. Like, let's not try to bring in you know these wrestlers that people are starting to like. Because oh yeah, all, also on SmackDown was CM Punk at the time because he's about to win the uh, world right. championship. Um, that's right. But he's going to win the world championship, and then he's going to ha- not have it by the time SummerSlam comes, because then right. that's Edge and Undertaker in the Hell in a Cell. So yep. it's well, just so he gets, weird. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's all kinds of shenanigans. But yeah, it doesn't go well for him. Yeah. So, and, and the other thing about this is, not only are we going to pay people to watch, they don't even come with like an interactive, fun way to give the money away. It's just so bland, uh-huh. where it's just like, well, here's a phone number. I call it. You win. <laughs> I just and again, what just blow my blows my mind after you had gone over those numbers was the fact that they do this just long enough to finally gain ratings, <laughs> and then they stop doing it. Well, so. now granted, that's also the draft episode, so people right. know that that's a reset point. So you might have oh, also yeah, that might have been the entire benefit there. I don't know if it was the money or not, but yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, the draft uh, definitely brings them in. But yeah, you've got HBK and and Jericho. And then most of the rest of the show is not in a good spot at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, not much else other than just fun watching Vince give money away. Now, whenever we do these these television shows, a lot of times, you know, we can't get star ratings from Dave Meltzer. He only gives ratings to, like, weekly shows if it's New Japan. So I found another person who was reviewing the show the week of this show, like, in the current timeline back in 2008. And it was 411 Mania's J.D. Dunn. And so, Tony, do you have some star ratings, or can you conjure up some as we go through some of these matches here to compare? Uh, Sure, why not? So, first match of the night, Mr. Kennedy versus Paul Burchill in three minutes of almost nothing. What did you say for this one? I would have to give that match no stars. <laughs> That's fair. That's where I'm at. Uh, JD gave it one star for that match. Um, in okay. 2008, remember uh, Mickey James versus Beth Phoenix. Um, you know, I thought it was it was pretty good for the short amount of time they had. I'll give him half a star. All right, uh, you were one star behind JD again. He gave it one and a half stars. 
Okay. Cena, I don't think he's quite taking into account how short these matches are, but all right. Cena versus JBL. Um, and this, you know, actually, this one wasn't too bad. Um, uh, I'm going to give this one a half star as well. <laughs> all right. JD liked this match quite a bit. This is 2.25 stars. Wow. Then, okay. Holly and Rhodes versus Snitsky and Umaga. Um, I will give this match uh, one quarter star. <laughs> You're just a little behind JD again. He gave it three quarters of a star. And okay. then Crime Time versus Carlito and Santino. Um, I will give this match. Uh, I'll give it half a star. <laughs> half a star. That seems fair. He gave it another three quarters of a star. And then our main event, Triple H versus Jeff Hardy. Um, you know, it was what it was. At least they had a little bit of time. I'll give it one full star. <laughs> All right. That's I'm probably closer to you than I am to JD. He gave it two stars. So, okay. Yeah. His match of the night, Cena versus JBL followed closely by Triple H and Jeff Hardy. Um, the users of cage match, not big fans of this episode. It's ranked at a 3.68 out of 10 with 33 votes. Uh, but there's sometimes on cage match, they'll have like a link to a German article about the show and this one linked to phil's blog i don't know who that is but apparently he was writing reviews at the time and so i thought i'd just point out his last comment on the show was uh as far as like positives about this episode his big positive was danielson at raw this has nothing to do with the broadcast but i read that none other than brian danielson would clearly defeat lance cade with the cattle mutilation dark match when was the last time an indie wrestler defeated a push wwe wrestler even if it was just a dark match if Danielson switched to the WWE after his ROH deal expired, that would be a major blow to ROH and the entire indie scene. But the chances of a few personal dream matches are in there with Danielson versus Michaels, Danielson versus Jericho, and Danielson versus William Regal would increase considerably those chances. And says, I'm excited to see what develops here. Yeah, well, hey, stay tuned. It goes pretty well. <laughs> it does go pretty well. Um, and then as far as reviews go, a lot of them written in 2008. There's just a few of them that have come back and, and reviewed this show since then. Uh, but Woodstock gave it a 2 out of 10 and said Jericho and Michaels prevent a 0 on this one. The great highlight reel creates an oasis in a desert of inability and boredom. Money Mania is already my word for wrestling year 2008. A third of the airtime is for these brain-cracking and also shamefully bad implemented action uh, in these segments. says, incredible. Even the matches, which had a lot of potential, were purely from the starting points, can't convince me and aren't any good. So, Woodstock, well, not a fan. No, not at all. He's very critical. On the other side, Deacon gave it a six in 2008 and said, quite a good Raw. Jeff against Triple H was okay, and I think that he will still be in the title match. At least I would be happy if he was. Kennedy and Burchill was great. More of that. <laughs> What? Especially Kennedy as a face. I like from week to week better. And also, Birchall and Katie Lee get a lot of heat. To the <laughs> ladies, the match was okay. I like Melina as a face more. And just fit myth, or saying that uh, the title fits Mickey so well. Um, hope for one. Funny, like, every, like, all of his opinions are like things that we didn't even like comment on or yes. pick up on at all. <laughs> It's just, I imagine like the timing of this after watching whatever Raw was putting out from March or, you know, from the end of WrestleMania till now must have right. just lowered the, the, you know, the expectations so much. Yeah. Um, 
He says maybe a, he's hoping for a big title match for the ladies at the next show at Night of Champions. Hoping for maybe a ladder match and as a four way. He's, he's what he dreams. Uh, otherwise, I wonder really slowly who Ted's partner is going to be. I'm hoping for D.H. Smith and then Natalia to Raw for Cody and, and Cody's team and the next generation stable would be perfect. So that's not a bad idea. Yeah, he was kind of combining the Hart Foundation with the yeah. with the legacy side. Hey. But yeah, so Deacon was a fan of this Raw, as most people seemingly were not. Well, good for Deacon. <laughs> so that's our thoughts on Raw, the beginning of Million Dollar Mania from Vince McMahon in June of 2008. But Tony, we move on. We have to continue on and watch something else next week. So where are we headed? Well, DP, next week... We're going to travel not too far from tonight's show to the summer of 2009 for Breaking Point. The one and only Breaking Point. Is Adam Lee uh, gone by this point? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. It's a year <laughs> later. It's a year after this, so I, I don't know. I can't imagine he's around. Um, why would you ask if Adam Lee is still around? Just because I'm assuming Breaking Point's going to be like an all hands on, like all the companies. Oh, it's not going to be yeah, a SmackDown a, or a Raw show, I'm thinking. Oh, but. yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's tri-brand show. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, we have a world, unified tag team title match: the Jarrett Show taking on Mark Henry and MVP. U.S. title match: Kofi Kingston and The Miz. Submissions count anywhere: Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase against DX. A Singapore Kane match between Kane and the Great Kali. Uh, an ECW so title match with Christian defending against William Regal. An I Quit match for the WWE Championship. John Cena taking on Randy Orton. And in the main event, a submission match. CM Punk defending the world title against The Undertaker. Yeah. So, I mean, there's some promising stuff on that show. It's also just anytime we get one of those one-off titles for a pay-per-view, it's always curious, like, what was so bad on the show that they felt they shouldn't do it again next year? <laughs> and and just to answer your question, I am sorry to say that there is no Mike Adamley Aww. at this time. Instead, we will be graced with one of my least favorite announced teams of all time, Josh Matthews and Matt Stryker. Whew, yeah, ECW's uh, announced team somehow like can never really it, i guess you can't really go downhill from mike adamley but it doesn't get better i'll say this is also after they decided to be funny to break up jr and the king so you have cole and lawler now doing raw and jim ross and todd grisham on the smackdown call oh always great when you put another play-by-play guy with jim ross what could go wrong? Oh, although I say that, but then I also earlier praised the AEW team where it's three play-by-play guys. <laughs> so. Well, but, I mean, you know, yeah, because they do it well. Doesn't necessarily mean sure. everybody should do it. No, but that's that's where we're heading next week. I'm excited to check it out. Breaking Point 2009. But in the meantime, if you want to keep up with us, you can do so in two places, either Facebook or Twitter. For Facebook, just search for the name of the podcast. On Twitter, we're at GrappleCast. If you'd like to follow me, I'm at Deadpool1205. You can follow me, Tony G, at BeyondSanity19. And we'll catch you next week for The Breaking Point. I'm sure she'll appreciate you calling her a hot number. What else would you call her? Beautiful female. Talented athlete. Okay, you can be politically correct. <laughs> WWD. So, starting now, current wrestling. <laughs> um, so... 
Uh, there was action over the course of the week. You know, the dish, we didn't obviously focus on much of that. Yeah. Much bigger, more important things going on. But I did want to take a quick look back at really just a few highlights from the, some of the shows. Nothing too in detail. Mm-hmm. Um, the big deal on Raw last week was uh, Christian basically coming out and calling out Randy Orton and, you know, being upset with him about what he did to Edge and blah, blah, blah. Randy came out and, and very defiantly, you know, yeah. basically coaxed Christian into accepting an a unsanctioned match or whatever the hell it was like exactly kind of build as being <laughs> which i heard like three different reviewers point out immediately they're like why didn't daniel bryan just do unsanctioned matches all those years <laughs> damn it what was he thinking um so this had me kind of excited i mean i know i know the state of christian as far as like why he can't go yeah all the time anymore but in the right circumstances in the right way i you know i was hoping <laughs> that this might actually be something but mm-hmm. uh, it, it wasn't <laughs> as as we would it was the best phoenix find spot. out the worst thing about it, though, is why it wasn't a match or like he didn't really have a chance. Let's have Ric Flair around for a few weeks for no real good reason at all, other than he can cut a promo with his daughter at some point and he can give his thoughts on the greatest match of all time. Um, fine. Well, he gave Christian a low blow, <laughs> just as the bell rang, ah. in, in an angle that I'm sure will go nowhere from here. So you don't think they're just- reuniting evolution all of a sudden or? <laughs> I, I really say no unless they're gonna start a new one which would be interesting with oh but still have rick flair like orton is now the triple h character yeah. but just have yeah. rick flair still be there yeah well dominic dijakovic posted a picture on twitter of evolution actually just today hmm. and i think he's i think he's someone that'd be perfect in that kind of a role yeah that'd, that'd be fine he has a dave batista like potential you know um but yeah so that you know, good stuff there. Christian got punted in the head. I guess I should stop. Shouldn't stop short of what ultimately happens. He got low blowed and then just punted in the head. And now WWE backstage isn't going to be on every week. So I think those two stories are directly correlated. <laughs> Wait, so they're just they're just taking weeks off instead of like just having other people host. Yeah. After they just posted their best rating since like debuting, now it's not going to be on every week. Goodness. I, so whatever. Sucks. I mean, it's Renee, like I was Young. Renee Young can't catch a freaking break, man. Like that no. lady is out of there. <laughs> like next chance she but gets, she is, has to be out of there. The problem is, I mean, you know, obviously I'm sure that AEW would be perfectly happy to have right. her, but it's they've already got so many uh, well, announcers and commentators true. and interviewers. Yeah, the guy that's the guy that wears glasses that's always talking to people in the parking lot. Like I don't even know his name. <laughs> yes. AEW. And Marvez, Alex Marvez is, is still. Oh, is that who you're talking about? Yeah, Marvez <laughs> is still around. Every time like someone gets interviewed backstage, it's like a new person that I haven't I've never seen on TV before. But they, yeah, like they had a Jen Sturger video the other day. I was like, I thought that she was gone by now. <laughs> I see her stuff pop up all the time. Yeah, she's got at least the OG or something. Um, speaking of that, all elite wrestling. Yeah. Um, Dynamite action last week. Uh, the opener between uh, Omega and Adam Page against Cutie Marshall and Dustin Rhodes was really solid stuff. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot, uh, yeah. Yeah, really good match. I still don't really quite <laughs> know or think that I care about like the QT Marshall storyline. <laughs> it was one of those things where when it started, I was like, why are they facing them? And then like the graphic popped up. They're 5-0. and oh. I was like, well, I guess that makes sense yeah. then. <laughs> I mean, they've been beating the, those poor guys yeah. on dark for a month that have lost every match <laughs> the the professional losers anyway but yeah. yeah so and now they're fighting the revival next week so why not 
Oh, wait, who is? QT and Dustin. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I guess it is. Because they've also, like, the odd, like, on the side, this, like, alley thing. Mm-hmm. Where I feel, I feel like it, she's completely separated from Butcher and Blade at this point. I haven't seen her. Feels like it. With them. Yeah. And then, and it's also been a lot, it's, a lot of it seems like it's been done on social media, which I guess is fine nowadays, as far as, like, those two, mm-hmm. like, going back and forth and flirting. You know, like, yeah. A lot of that's kind of been on Twitter more than anything else. And it's just, when it first started popping up, I was like, what what is this? Because you know I'm always like because when it comes to Twitter, it's like I don't necessarily assume they're in character yeah. when it first started. So I was like, oh, you guys are being awfully personal with one another, like <laughs> in a very open way on t- social media here for sure. So. But I, whatever, it's she's kind of driving a wedge in there. Brandy's also been like on social media, like kind of commenting on you know how she doesn't trust her, you know whatever like, yeah. things like that. Well, they can't, you know, you, you don't want to ruin the potential of this tag team of QT Marshall and uh, Mr. Dustin Rhodes here. I just, if you told like 10 years ago, Ring of Honor, Tony, that QT Marshall was going to be <laughs> featured prominently on cable television a decade later, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, yeah, Anna Jay, just as quickly as she got a vignette, which I was like, oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was good. Yeah, and then now she's in the dark order. Well, they did. I mean, I kind of like the way that I'm they. I'm not skipping over. I, I'm, I'm going to go back and talk about the match, but I like the way that they set it up and then just had that failure immediately because it was just so. Because like, not only did she have the vignette, like she's one of the few people that I just kept seeing like AEW like official tweets about like her dark matches and then the right. had, like graphics yeah. about her and it was just kind of oh, yeah. constant. And so there was this weird little buzz that I wasn't paying attention to, but I knew existed. And so mm-hmm. then when this happened, it, you know, it had some impact. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was it was good stuff. Yeah, she's been a character that's just been introduced enough over the yeah. last month that you cared. You know what I mean? Like you care enough about her, but she's also kind of an unfinished story that it's cool to kind of uh, put her into this position with the Dark Order. You know, mm-hmm. before you even maybe knew everything about her. So, uh, yeah, she ended up having a match. But, but we had to talk about the match because uh, <laughs> she fought the Dynamite debuting Abaddon, which. Was is really can only be described. She's very rosemary like. Yeah. If you watch, you know, if you're an Impact Wrestling fan, mm-hmm. um, honestly, like, and Sue Young as well. Like, there's just, you yeah, know, it's just she's she's a demon. Like, if you didn't watch it, I don't know how to describe her. Other than <laughs> she's just she's kind of zombie like a little bit. Um, yeah, like they did a good job of whatever like makeup they were doing. It made it look dirty in yeah. like filthy almost and instead of just being like oh she's got weird skin colors it was like oh no right. she just looks like she's filthy and yeah, like she's got blood and dried shit yeah. all over her and like and yeah and like the, whatever those uh i can't imagine that it's fun to put into your eyes but those contacts that she's wearing were creepy as shit like oh, yeah. i was really impressed right. with the packaging of this character and the way that they just kind of like bam here's this character this fucking wild character here yeah and it'll be interesting to see what happens because it's such a overpowering presence of a character. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, how long can she just go out there and have a match before it's like, you got to do something with her. Like it's either yeah. sink or swim with a character. That's that wild and kind of out there, you know, you need like, to introduce like, like at least a feud. It doesn't have to be for the championship, but just something right. to keep her distracted for a while. Otherwise, yeah, if it's just coming out and doing weekly dark matches, it's going to feel a little weird. Yeah. And honestly, you know, her being part of the dark order would have made a lot of sense as well, but that, you know, <laughs> 
I guess isn't the case. <laughs> uh, Colt Cabana has possibly accepted and joined the I mean, Dark Order. Been... I, it's all still very ambiguous. I yeah. Think he's teaming with Brody Lee this week. Oh, is he? Yeah, I can't remember if that's on Dark or Dynamite. But yeah, okay. I saw the picture. Uh, yeah, he, Colt was given an envelope. And uh, where no one knows what it says. <laughs> what did you... I don't remember what match it happened in because I just have like very sparse notes here. But what was the match where there was just somebody cursing or saying something that wasn't allowed on TV? Was that? I think it was when the FTR were on. Like, it was whatever tag match that they got involved in. So is that the first match okay. after that was over? Uh, I think it was the Bucks match. Yeah, it was the Bucks match coming up here in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. There was just like there was someone that was saying something in the crowd or someone at ringside saying something that they didn't want on air because they kept bleeping it, but it never fit in the point that it sounded like a curse word. I wonder if it was like "fuck the revival" or something. I kind of wondered if that was that was the last time that it beeped. I thought maybe it would be that, but I feel like they are probably walking on eggshells when it comes to saying the words "revival" because mm-hmm. I'm sure Vince would just be happy <laughs> to start slapping lawsuits on this upstart company. You know? Yeah, that's probably true. Unfortunately, I mean, shit, dude, he was suing WCW like every six weeks, just over everything, you know? <laughs> I was kind of surprised there was no hay made out of the uh, Team Extreme Hardy and hand gestures and... Who knows? Maybe it that. has. <laughs> um, yeah, so... interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure what they were saying, but yeah, something that they don't want to get sued over, it seemed like, or yeah. the F word. It might be the F word, it just it was a weird timing. But Yeah. Anyways... Um, it- who would have thought in 2020 we'd be watching MJF beat Billy Gunn? <laughs> that was just yeah. interesting to see. Um, Cody has really been uh, it's he's, it's been interesting over the last couple of weeks, as I feel like he's kind of sli- like slipping into a darker character. Really? Like I feel like like do you mean spooky heel- dark or like just a heel turn? Well, like a heel turn, I guess. Okay, I mean, I just been dark, dark as we had like, that you know, theme sinister. issue at the beginning of, of Dynamite that we all we talked about so many times. I was curious if right. maybe he's going to start the nightmare like collective again. <laughs> no, no, he's just sinister. I guess is the better <laughs> word. Not, yeah, yeah. Um, but he just talks about you know how he's been coming out here and having the best match and you know taking people on. Uh, the air is thin at the top of the mountain where he's at and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff and. And then we also, again, kind of continued to get interesting. We talked about, you know, getting attacked last week. And he says, you know, he's not sure if he's a part of the elite anymore. He's not even sure if he's a part of the nightmare family anymore because <laughs> nobody came to help him. Yeah. So he's, you know, feeling a little hurt by all of that, I guess you could say. Arn, you can tell, is also kind of starting to play the, like, you know, trying to keep it down. You know, like, now, yeah. come on, take this seriously. Like, like, as Cody gets a big head, Arn kind of cuts him off. So just seems like it's heading in that direction. Like Cody is separating himself from the fa- from the stables. It seems like, and uh, you know, taking this championship thing to his head a little bit. It seems, which which I like. I think it you know could ultimately be interesting. Definitely, yeah. That's an interesting angle of it. I, you know, I, we kind of talked about how you know it felt like the character needed to have some sort of direction at mm-hmm. this point, but yeah, that, uh, that could be interesting going forward for sure. Yeah. Because like I said, I, I can't take that many too many more weeks of like great guy Cody mm-hmm. like having a match and, with a young guy and hugging him afterwards. And if Cody does turn, you know, like if they do the full turn or whatever, and, and he's still mm-hmm. the TNT champion for a while, right. it would yep. be interesting to see like 
if he's continuing to just talk shit about being you know, at the top, if the AEW yep. champion would be like, well, I know you can't challenge for this title, but I'm challenging you for your title, and then you could do your champion versus champion match I, if you wanted to. I mean, that's, that's, a, great, that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Copyright. Um, but that would lead to, I got to give him credit, another outstanding t- TNT title match, taking on the debuting Ricky Starks. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, absolute Ricky Starks. Former NWA TV champion, the belt they just brought back, he won it, and then <laughs> and so now he's moved on up. Because that's a lot of people thinking too, like, oh, is this a one-off? No, apparently he's signed. And I think before this match, or maybe when they were taping this match, I can't remember what it was, but like before the match was over, they were like, "You're signed." So like, now, is he signed in the way that he can't be on NWA stuff anymore, or is he signed I, I so. like, yeah, like I, I mean, like I think he's got the all, you know, Ricky Starks is all elite, like okay. that kind of situation. So. Nice. Free agent, no more. I mean, he's a guy that when we saw him on the NWA shows, especially that into the fire, like he oh, made yeah. a mark, and it was one of those guys that you knew was going to go somewhere. Yeah, no, he's outstanding. He certainly stood out from the get go when uh, NWA NWA relaunched. Um, so yeah, we talked a little about the revival getting involved in that tag match involving the Young Bucks. Uh, fun main event. Uh, you know, the best friends are one of those groups that I felt like was starting to get lost in the shuffle mm-hmm. in those early months in AEW. And I was, you know, I was a little disappointed in that. And I get, you gotta give a lot of credit to orange Cassidy, I think in their popularity in that, yeah. in that situation too. Um, yeah. Good match there. Orange Cassidy was dressed as the cameraman that was <laughs> priceless. Got in the ring and, you know, Jericho even begged off and I've liked the, you know, again, it's dangerous. It's like when you pull the ripcord all the way on orange, yeah, and you go back is you know, what mm-hmm. I'm afraid of because he had a lot of fire in this fight with Jericho, and oh yeah, you know, was more animated than I think maybe he's been at all, except for maybe in his matches. So it's awesome, and he's gonna he's he's gonna fight Chris freaking Jericho, <laughs> and it's gonna be an outstanding match probably. Um, yeah, no, yeah, you just you know. I I love to see it. You just you worry at some point that like man, they love to see it as well. They don't even have fans right now, and they're still like yeah. you know, doing these Orange Cassidy spots. It's like man, I love it, but damn, maybe could you have waited till there were fans again? Like, true. I will say that's become one of the big advantages for me for AEW is their announce team has gelled mm. so well that like I just enjoy watching you know listening to Tony Schiavone enjoy what's happening like. During that little oh, yeah. back and forth, like when they're just losing their mind because Orange Cassidy's jumping on him and JR's even getting into it, like that made oh, it yeah. a lot of fun. And even if there wasn't a crowd there to react as much, I mean, there was people, but you know, not a full arena or anything that would be losing their minds sure. like they probably would have otherwise. Right. It was still so, really but yeah. Good. But no, actually, awesome. So the Fighter Fest is soon, isn't it? Is that July? So. The first weekend of July? It's two weeks, isn't it? Like two weeks of Dynamite. Two weeks. I don't know which, yeah. when oh, it well, starts that's right. exactly. Right. That's how they're doing it. That's right. So looking forward to that. We fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a couple of things on NXT. Imperium retained their tag team titles against Brizongo, who had won a shot in a triple threat match the week before. Brizongo came out doing an Imperium impersonation was their entrance this week, which was pretty awesome. Yeah, and I got to be honest. The Imperium theme with like the techno remix was actually pretty good. <laughs> I had the sound off, so I didn't hear the techno remix, but I was just kind of watching with it muted for while I was, that was happening. It was enjoyable yeah. seeing them do their, you know, stiff walk to the ring. Is is uh, Fandango wearing the wig regardless of who he's dressing up as right now? Is that the is that the deal? 
It must be because it, <laughs> you know Breeze. I think was doing the Marcel Bartel mm. and. Yeah, Eichner. Maybe he was making fun of the fact that Fabian Eichner has such a great absence of hair that he was wearing. Ah, uh, maybe. Long. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they're that. I don't know if they're that clever. If I can give them that much credit. Um, Bailey and Sasha Banks retained retain the women's tag team titles over Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart in a very good match. But the mm-hmm. big news coming out of this NXT episode DP was the announcement by Mister Regal um, regarding the future of one Adam Cole, uh, among others. What we are going say? to have a what's that? Oh, go ahead. I was just very oh, yeah. curious. The there there is going to be a triple threat match between Johnny Gargano, Keith Lee, and Finn Balor for the North American Championship. Mm-hmm. The winner of that match will face Adam Cole in a winner takes all double title match. Ooh, okay. So yeah. nice. That'll be so fun. So they've got all these like now working feuds with Cole backstage, and it's been kind of funny. Like every segment was like someone else harassing him backstage, or him <laughs> having to like answer to something, you know, like Keith Lee or whoever. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Does Does Keith Lee, if he's not in his gear, always wear sweats? Because that just felt like Vince would be losing his mind when Keith Lee showed up in sweats and a tank top. Uh, I mean, you know, they're in the performance center as well, so it's True. not like they're at an arena. Yeah. So I, who who knows? Um. But I think Mr. Keith Lee is going to end up losing out in this situation due to his, uh, he broke the hourglass. He broke carrying Cross's hourglass. Ah. Whenever Cole was like backstage panicking about it, and Keith Lee just like walked up and was like, you know, you got other things to worry about, and then broke oh, it. Oh, I and missed then, that part. And then there was a segment later where you just see the foot of carrying Cross like stepping on and breaking the glass or whatever and, <laughs> you know, stepping out of frame. So I think. I believe Karrion Cross is probably going to screw Keith Lee out of the match. Gotcha. Who called out Keith Lee at the end of the show? At the end of not, NXT? Not Keith Lee. Who called out Karrion Cross on NXT? Someone specifically oh, called Bron- out. Oh, Bronson Reed did. Okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that's his next they're match. Fight. Yeah, they're fighting this week, yeah, on NXT TV. So, okay. yeah, that'll be good stuff. Bronson Reed's just recently come back, so. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, yeah. I did notice also during Damian Priest's entrance, I was like, okay, you guys have got to, not everyone gets to have the strobe effects. Like, <laughs> you've got Rhea Ripley, you've got Damian Priest, Io Shirai, now Karrion yeah. Cross. I was yeah. just like, everybody's like, got their entrance, it's got a cool, like, pose moment, and then bam, and then Yeah, they like the, yeah, somebody's been, like, you know, going to the dance club or something, you know, doing a, <laughs> listening to a little bit too much electronic music or something. Yeah. So, uh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. What do you have? I, 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 do you have more on NXT or were you going somewhere else? Oh, I was going somewhere else. So if you got anything, I was just going to jump into NJ, NJPW real quick. Cause I oh, watched sure. a little bit of that tonight and, um, I didn't watch like full nights. I just like clicked on individual matches for the first two nights. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. well, I just want to watch what it looks interesting. And the first night Tomohiro Ishii versus Desperado got my attention. It was the main event of the night as well. So I expected, you know, to be pretty good. And it was. It yeah. was it was a dang good match. Have you heard anything about it or seen any clips? I saw people talking about how good of a match it was. And then before the match happened, I even can't remember who it even was. Maybe it was Osprey or somebody commented that like look out for Ishii and Desperado. Nice. Like it seemed like people were anticipating that one being pretty good. Yeah, it was it was really good and it was it was a lot of fun. But the match that stole my heart was the night two when the in the not even the main event, the match before the main event Yuji Nagata fought Minoru Suzuki, 
and they went for 24 solid minutes of just hard hitting old man tough guy wrestling that I know that like we we talked about sometimes they com- we complain about whenever like Makabe just jumps right into it 10 yeah. seconds into the match but these two guys fucking went bananas on each other and just put right. on a clinic dude i yeah. it was one of those things where i kept like thinking oh, okay well this is when the match and it just kept going and going yeah. and getting more and more intense no that doesn't surprise me at all and you know i think you know that kind of style and that kind of match can be done well and those are certainly the two guys to do it you know yeah uh two of my favorites as well you know Minoru Suzuki and yuji nagata <clears throat> you know a lot, a lot of people will say yuji nagata nobody suffered more from the early to mid 2000 Enochiism mm-hmm. than you just got it just from the standpoint of, you know, he should be a freaking 10 time IWGP <laughs> champion probably. And he just wasn't in the cards, you know, kind of based on the yeah. atmosphere at the time, but you know, so, you know, one of my favorites, one of those guys that, you know, I have to admittedly say I was introduced to playing WCW wrestling games on the Nintendo 64. <laughs> and you'd be like, who's this Eugene Nagata guy, you know, then, <laughs> him on WCW Saturday night fighting Prince IK or something. So Yeah. Yep. No, it was one of those things where, you know, they were doing the you know the usual stuff with the forearms and it progressed to slaps. And there was one segment where it's like three solid like I was kind of playing rock band at the same time and I got all the way through Blink 182's all the small things during the mm-hmm. slapping portion of this match. <laughs> and that's why I sent you the text like they've been going for like three minutes, man, and it's just getting harder and harder. These slaps and the sweats flying, it's right. ridiculous. Well, you know, after the first minute, I have to kind of imagine like you just go numb and it doesn't really hurt anymore. <laughs> well, and then just to have Eugene Nagata win, that blew me by, yeah. you know, blew my mind. I did not expect that at all because, you know, you'd think the way that they've treated Minoru Suzuki and the way they've treated Eugene Nagata for the last few years, like they are almost on different levels in the, yeah. you know, the well, roster area. But well, isn't Nagata winding down? Like, isn't that. I mean, that's kind of been the thing for a while now. I know last year he had his, you know, final uh, G1 with the torn up T-shirt and all that stuff. But yeah, well, I was just wondering, like, you know, maybe a nice story would be him winning this new Japan Cup or something, or at least going to the finals and having a match against, you know, Okada or something. It'll be interesting to see because I don't I didn't get a chance to actually look at the bracket to see, like, where that puts him next after this match. I I have the bracket, but at this point, (laughs) I'm not sure. Well, I guess it. Who knows? I, I, I can at least see who it could have been. Did you see or hear anything about uh, Gato versus Okada? Yeah, I mean, no, I hadn't really heard much about it. It is, it is a totally a Gato match. Like when you when you hear people talk about Gato liking like the old WWE and WWF stuff, it is totally that. He comes out, he's got the fake sling on. Of course, there's a weapon inside. He ends up like there's weapons taped around the ring. He pulls a like brass knuckles off the turnbuckle at one point. Like it's a total Gato match. J- Jado gets involved. It's not oh, a great match, but it was, you know, because it's Okada, you know, by the end of it, it was pretty exciting. So in the second round, speak of the devil, Yuji Nagata will be facing Okada. <laughs> oh, OK. OK. On, on June 24th. Nice. That's when they'll have their match. So, yeah, Okada and Yuji Nagata. So, never mind. That's probably going to be the end of Yuji Nagata. More than but likely, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be a very competitive match, and that'll still be cool because I don't know that they've had a one-on-one match or any real significant feud. So, mm-hmm. and then that'll be kind of cool. Just before we got on here to record, I watched show, fin- or show not Fanaki, show, <laughs> show of Rapungi Vice or Rapungi 3K um, right. taking on Shingo Takagi, and I did not expect at all again for show to win this match. And somehow he beats Shingo, who has the never six man and the never open weight titles. Yeah, I feel like it's just another example of 
This, it's kind of this loose, almost fun New Japan Cup with you know the mix mm-hmm. of the junior heavyweights, the legends, and the, you know the heavyweight division. That, I think it's cool that maybe it looks like they're going to do a few of these. Like I'll bet they'll be like a Cinderella, you know, somebody yeah. like a show might make it a couple rounds or something like that, you know. So that makes sense because this, this is all fairly inconsequential, really. You know, yeah, it's just kind of like, here's some stuff to watch because you know everything's shut down and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just it feels like whereas wins and losses probably matter more in New Japan as they do just about anywhere. Kind of seems like with this, they're just kind of like, eh, you know, like let's <laughs> have some fun matchups and yeah. maybe some upsets, and it's not really gonna have a big bearing on things moving forward, you know. So that makes sense. Yeah, and just real quickly, last couple things here on SmackDown. Jeff Hardy did a sit down with Renee Young. How old do you think Jeff Hardy is? Forty three. Forty two. Very good. Oh, nice. I felt old as shit. I was just like, oh, my God, <laughs> Jeff Hardy is 42 years old. Um, yeah, he's 42. Says he's been trying to turn his life around his entire adult life. And, uh, you know, it was kind of the typical Jeff Hardy, CM Punk, circa 2008 kind of yeah. stuff. Then, again, and I don't mean to make light of it. I just I hate that they're using it in this way. Mm-hmm. And he is someone who has a history of relapsing as he talked about in this interview you know every time oh, he feels like sure. he fixed feels like every time he fixed one thing in his life something else would go wrong like <laughs> so for them then, then to like shine a light on this it's like i maybe this is therapeutic and helpful i yeah it feels exploitive and if he ends up having another problem within the next year you're gonna really have pie on your face here i yeah. just hope that nothing awful happens in that process either like hopefully you know worst case he just gets busted with some something on him you know i don't want anything <laughs> bad to happen to the guy but you know, you just worry about, you know, what could happen because he's, he's shown. I mean, they, this is damn near like what? And every two to two or three years, it's it's, it's almost like, every time that they seem to start like highlighting him. That's when right. it goes badly. I mean, not the not that I think it's going to happen again. Hopefully, you know, well, it's yeah, been beaten, not. but you never know. Yeah, you never know. Um, the Forgotten Sons and Jackson Riker douchebag Uri on Twitter mm-hmm. has been the gain of Cesaro and Nakamura, it looks like, after this week's <laughs> SmackDown. The New Day fought the Lucha House Party. Cesaro and Nakamura attacked afterwards and complained to the announcers about the way they've been treated and uh, they haven't gotten an opportunity. So, because apparently the Forgotten Sons, like, this was supposed to be them. Like, they're supposed oh, to be the New okay. And then Jackson Riker said stupid shit on Twitter. Yeah. And everybody. Doesn't like him anymore, and now say, it's worst it's timing his other ever. Two partners, what's that? <laughs> As it worst timing ever for the feud that you're planning to have. Yeah. Oh, I Thank mean, goodness. What a, if I was, and who know? I mean, maybe I shouldn't give him too much credit. But if I was Wesley Blake and Brand, Steve Cutler, whatever his name is, I'd be furious. Mm-hmm. You know, because if they are, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt here, like not sharing the views or opinions of Jackson Riker, <laughs> the former TNA Gunner. Then you may have just not only cost yourselves this feud, but that might be it. Yeah. Yeah, especially with, like, like the current like hot commodity, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know if you guys paid attention to what they did to the revival, but they don't exactly give a big shit about their tag team wrestling. So, <laughs> no, you know, you're not wrong there. So, but, but hey, good for Cesaro and Nakamura because they're awesome anyway. So, and them fighting the New Day will be fun. So, definitely. And last thing, Bray Wyatt is Bray Wyatt again. It feels like they're adopting Matt Hardy's abilities now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was also getting like the Foley thing a little bit. Okay, yeah, you know, I like see a, that. like a little bit of a face of the Foley thing. The mm-hmm. Matt Hardy thing is also probably yeah, that's a that's a good uh, a good point as well. 
I like it because I think it also may just have all to do with the being a feud with Braun Strowman. Yeah. More than the idea that like he's back to doing, you know, like follow the buzzards and, <laughs> you know, blowing out the LED lantern and saying we're yeah. here. I mean, so they're just like all oh, that shit with the fiend that never happened. We're, we're done with that. Just forget about it. <laughs> they're just like, man, you people love the f- if anything. And I don't want to give them too much credit. If anything, I've been I've been saying over the last weeks and months about some of these things like maybe you should have saved him. Maybe you shouldn't have done this. Maybe you shouldn't have done that. Maybe you got to give them credit. They were like, hey we're not wasting the fucking fiend on wrestling in front of the performance center kids. You know, like that's, yeah. you know, red hot, let's red hot. Let's just put that one on the back burner until maybe we're in front of people again. I don't know if that's the thinking, but it is something that without the effect of a crowd, it doesn't definitely doesn't have the same feel to it. So no, not at all. So yeah, but that's that Um, on the strictly television professional wrestling side of things. Um, notwithstanding all the awfulness in the world, but that's what happened on television shows. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's right, Hulk. You can listen to the Golden Age of Grappling podcast any day of the week, but if you're looking for new episodes, you can check out our website, goldenagepodcast.com, or look for us on iTunes. New episodes releasing every... Shut up, you fat! Friday, Saturday, Sunday comes again.